Hey, this is Chuck Dixon, and you're listening to Signal of Doom. <laughs> well, you know, for me, the action is the juice. I'm in. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Signal of Doom, episode 280. I'm Dave, I'm alive, barely, and I'm here with Rich. Rich, how are you going? Also alive. Alive, man. Alive and thriving. That's how you are, basically, isn't it? Uh, I would ass- I, I assume it's thriving. Man, you're always you're striking a pretty strong ball most of the time. I mean, I'm dying, as we all know. Like, I mean, it's if it's not death, it's close to it. You know, it's I've gone, I've almost touched the void this week. Yes, you always seem to be t- uh, teetering on the brink of death. Yeah, I know. I, I linger on. Dion's like, uh, can I? When you die, can I have your comics so I can burn them at your funeral? I said, I'm going to cling to life just out of spite, just pure spite. <laughs> like, it will just keep me alive. Um, so he can, can't get his grimy hands on my estate. Um, yeah, so Rich, how has this week been for you? Uh, it's been two weeks, hasn't it? Because we had a week off last week because I was at the work off-site where I contracted this illness. Uh, it was not oh, sexually transmitted, yeah. I can tell you that much. Not a sexually transmitted disease, but uh, there was a party, there was good times, and somewhere in the mix, Dave caught the plague. You know? That's what happened, man. Well, you know, you, you know you've got to be careful when you socialise. When you mingle. When you mingle with the animals, um, yeah, man, it is what it is, dude. It's it's part and parcel of having to be part of this thing we call society. You know what I mean? And and I by no means really feel the urge to be part of it, but we did have a very good time at the offside, so it was a good time. And you know what? I think I'm starting to turn the corner. I had a sleep this afternoon for a couple of hours, and before that, I was like shaking. And um, I had to sleep for a couple of hours, then I just had a really nice meal then, and I just saw, and, and like, I'm not 100% by any means, I'm probably not even 50%, but I cancelled my tennis for the weekend, which is always a sign that I'm not feeling well when I cancel the tennis, but, um, you know, it's rock and roll, man, we do what we got to do. Uh, now, what have you been doing this week while I've been clinging to life? Uh, just, just relaxing, yeah. uh, I've started playing a bit more Final Fantasy fourteen. Okay. And just work, just work shit every day. Working for the man. Were you working for the man, Rich? Uh, Is that what you were doing? I'm, I'm, I don't. I don't know if I'm, I don't know. I, I think it goes beyond work. Honestly, it's it's very taxing. My job at the moment. Well, what's so taxing about it at the moment, man? What's happening in in retail world that makes it so bad? It's still this new system that they're on, and it's just oh, this thing, yeah, everyone. this thing you were you were and, talking about, yeah. No like one's to, competent yeah. on it, so everyone keeps running to me. To you, this I need you to, Richard, explain this to me. I'm just like, I'm so tired of you people. Wow, you just a man at the end. So that's crazy. So you you normally have two two days off during the week. Did you get them off this week, or was it just one day again? Just one. Yeah, that see that sucks, man, because that means you're working six. And just resting on one. Do you get those that extra day back at some point, or is it just cons- you no. get like overtime on the day that you work on your? Mm. Is that what happens? Yeah, yeah. I don't get any time back. Right, but you do get overtime on the day you're working on what would be your, you know, whatever you call it, normal day off. Yeah, I, I get whatever the taxman leaves me. Yeah, yeah, that's tough, man. I mean, working six days and just getting one day off. I mean, I did it. 20 years ago 
for, for about a year and it, it does burn you out big time and I wouldn't say my job was anything like as taxing as being on my feet selling like you do I've been dying and Richard's been working um, now this week we was your choice Rich we did G.I. Joe America's Elite um, was was your choice which was, which was a good one now we've got a lot of stuff that came in but I want to put this up front of the show so R.I.P. to Joe E. Tater um we all know him as Nat from the Peach Pit in Beverly Hills 90210. I mean, a legend of the game. He ran the Peach Pit for 10 years on the show. Uh, obviously employed Brandon Walsh um, and others. But, like, yeah, and he, he I think he appeared in eight episodes of Rockford Files, and I've seen those episodes of Rockford Files when he was, like, 20 years younger. Um, a real loss. Uh, he was 91, I believe, uh, or maybe it was 80. There was two. I, I read a report he was 91, and then I read a report that he was 87. And he suffered from Alzheimer's the last couple of years of his life. So he probably had lived his best years. Um, but I do want to say, as a you know, long-term fan of uh, 90210, um, I just want to pass tribute to Joey Tatter because he gave the Peach Pit a lot of personality. He always had a smile on his face. Um, I don't know, Rich, if you've got any memories you want to share. Were you a 90210 guy? God, no. Never watched it. Jesus, Rich. I mean... Okay, well, Rich is excluded from uh, doing the I, eulogy. My, my apologies for not being a 13-year-old girl, Dev. Well, it was, you know, like, but it, when it came, it wasn't just catering to girls. Like, it was like a very big show back in the early 90s, man. Are you kidding? Like, it was a huge show, 90210. Um, it was one of the biggest shows on the on the planet for about five years. But anyway, um, Joey Tatter's gone. Uh, his memory lives on. Um, we loved him as Nat. Um, it's a sad loss. Now, I do want to mention Hunter Prey Bear. The new Chuck Dixon comic has come out um, from Phenon Comics. I got the Kickstarter. Um, we'll cover it next week on the show. Um, but I just do want to say it's an excellent comic from Chuck Dixon. Um, check it out. Go to Phenom Comics, F-E-N-O-M comics.com, and you can order copies there. And I highly recommend it. Hunter, Prey, Bear, I think is what it's called. I think I've got that title. Let me just check if I've got that title right. I'm not 100% sure I've got that title right. But it's, it's his, it might be Hunter, Ninja, Bear, actually, now that, I, now, that I'm, now that I'm saying it. I feel like it's Hunter, Ninja, Bear. Yeah, it is. Hunter, Ninja, Bear. I knew I had it wrong. So Hunter, Ninja, Bear from Phenon Comics. It just got, um, it just got kickstarted and you know was fulfilled, and I just sent the orders out. I just received my order earlier this week. We'll cover it on the show next week. And apologies, by the way, for my voice and everything. I actually have been quite ill. So, but like, yeah. So check it out. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Chuck always comes, you know, to the party fully loaded, and it should be pretty damn cool. And um, I'll share my couple with you, Rich, and we'll do it next week on the show. Um, I think they can take the place of weekly comics because believe you me, Rich, when I look through the weekly comics at the moment, it's it's lean pickings, man. You know? It's barren. It is barren. So we'll do Hunter lean, we'll barren. Do Hunter Ninja Bear um, in weekly comics next week, Richard and myself. But you can, I check with Chuck and you can go to phenomcomics.com and order copies there. It's It was fully, when they did the Kickstarter, it was fully done. It was like a promotional thing for, for, for them. They've only just started. So, yeah, check it out. Now, Rich, um, Rings of Power, the Lord of the Rings show. Of course, we have the Battle on the Samurai. Um, that finally uh, dropped today, Australian time. 
and the first two episodes um, have dropped. I watched the first episode just before the show because I wanted to have something to discuss. I can tell you, Rich, it is very strong, beautiful-looking show, very strong, heavy on Galadriel, Elrond. Um, you have the stuff with, like, the Halfwits, the fucking Hobbits, you know, like, when they're in the woods, I guess. You know, it's, it's kind of like Hobbits before they were Hobbits. Um, you've got stuff with the men. It, it's actually, it, like, I honestly, like, as a hardcore Tolkien fan, it is... Like, uh, some of it is based on nothing. Like, quite a lot of it is just their own stuff, but it is based sort of on the world he created. And some stuff ties in, um, but a lot of the... He really wrote kind of more like dry histories of these periods, you know, but at the same time, some of the stuff they're kind of directly lifting. So it's a mixture of stuff. But it was pretty cool. Like, a great first episode, really, to, to set it up, and it looks fantastic. Like, no expense spared. Uh, the woman playing Galadriel seemed very good. I mean, she's going to be huge in it. Uh, Elrond, I prefer this Elrond to Hugo Weaving, who I was always very critical of Hugo Weaving's performance. I felt that this Elrond was was a bit closer, quite a bit closer to the books. Um, it was fun seeing stuff from the first age because they kind of do like a, you know, sort of a recap of what happened in the first age to lead them into the second age. That was cool. I mean, yeah, I was. it was... My expectations were very high. I've really been looking forward to this show, Rich. And, yeah, I, I think it was good, man. Like, you know, the sort of like those complaints about there being a black hobbit or a black elf, they just felt sort of superfluous when I was watching it. It didn't, didn't feel like that was really hindering anything. Um, what are your thoughts, Rich? I don't have any thoughts. Well, you've got to watch it, man. Remember, we're doing it for the show. Well, so by next week... It came out this morning. It, yeah, it came out this morning. Man. I understand yeah. that. But by next week, man... By next week, man, you're going to be locked and loaded and uh, you'll be all about... But, but like, what are your expectations? Let me... let Because me, are you a big Lord of the Rings guy or are you not? I, I never... I forget. Uh, I'm a fan of the, the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings. I've read them multiple times, but... Okay. Um, I I have no. What about the movies? I have no I have no stake in the show or any expectations or. Okay, well, it's got a seventy-one like... on Metacritic right now. It's got a seventy-one on Metacritic right now, which is generally favourable reviews. It's got a very low user score. Um, again, not from a giant sample size, so it's early days. Um, seventy-one, I think, is pretty reasonable. Um, Definitely looks really good. I will say that. Like, no expense has been spared on the look. It doesn't look cheap. You know how Wheel of Time kind of looked like you could feel the budget on Wheel of Time, I think, a lot, um, which was also an mm -hmm. Amazon program. You, here you felt like they were, you know, they were not uh, they were not saving anything back. They were, it was like it really felt like a big budget affair, which was good. And, and frankly... Um, some parts of it I really liked because I saw a thing from Neil Gaiman and I understood what he was saying. He was saying, they asked him about it and obviously his relationship with Amazon, he'd seen the first couple of episodes. He goes, look, I really like it. When I was a teenager, he was saying, I went and picked up the Cimmerillion and was very disappointed from what I thought a prologue to Lord of the Rings was, which was my reaction as well when I picked up the Cimmerillion. I thought I was going to get more Lord of the Rings, and I was like, what is this dry, almost biblical style of writing? 
Um, and he said, but this is kind of what I w- would want. And it's true. It, it's got a proper narrative. It's got proper characters, you know, that are, that are kind of like have a personal story, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, I don't know. I, I, I probably, my expectations were set for around a 7 out of 10. I probably, from the first episode, I'm like, yeah, it was like a 7.5. It was a really good intro episode. The stuff with the Hobbits, I could do without. You know, I don't actually need the hobbits in the second age because believe yeah. you me. Well, uh, go ahead. Well, I mean, that's the thing. This is just really, really, really expensive fan fiction. You know, I'm not saying yeah. that negative thing. That's that's what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's not beat around the bush. They don't have the rights to any of the stuff they're writing about. So everything they're doing is pretty much made up. So this is just really, really well. They have the characters. They have the characters. I mean, think about this. When, like, put it this way. I, I, I hear what you're saying, but also his stuff of the Second Age was mostly quite dry histories that set all this stuff up. Like, he didn't actually do detailed, no, you know, I stuff. I don't have an issue. If they turn around and say, look, we're basing this on the the world, you know, we don't have the rights, blah, 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 and we want to tell a different story that's just based on his world, that's fine. I, I, if you say that, I don't have but an issue. But that's what they're doing. I guess but my, I guess my issue with it is whenever I've seen an interview, they're like, oh, this is what he meant, and we really stay. And I'm like, mm, you're not, no, because this is your thing. Well, they do have some rights. They do have some rights. I mean, they purchased it off no, the Tolkien family for like saying is that, Yeah, but what I'm saying is mm. I feel like in a lot of the interviews they kept saying things like we – this is like a, an improvement on on his work. And yeah, well, that's bullshit. We're modernizing his yeah. work. We're making it better. And I'm like, that turned me off a little bit because I'm like, just I'm okay if you turn around and say this is our fiction based on his world, right? We're not we we we're creating our own separate history, alternate timeline, whatever crap yeah, you want but, to call it. But that's they fine. are they are using. But but to their point, I mean, look, huge chunks. And I said this during the first episode. Huge chunks of this are, as you say, completely made-up fiction. Like, whole characters in this, there is no... You could read every single word Tolkien ever wrote to do with Middle-earth, and you would not find these characters, you know? Um, So, big chunks of it are, but I would say at the same time, the big signposts of the world are straight out of Tolkien law. So it's... and, And frankly, a lot of what he wrote previously was to do with the first age he wrote multiple versions of the first age which gets a very brief brief glossary in this you know version but the second age i mean i've read what he read on he did on the second age it is more historical it is more signposty you could build a world around it that's kind of what they've done and what i thought to myself was well how different is that from like the movies of the superheroes you know where they build like the batman movies when they come to do those Batman movies, they've got the characters, they've got the setup, they then write a script. You know, sometimes they base it more on comic books, sometimes they more go their own way, but they've got set characters. It's in Gotham City, it's this, it's that, there's Commissioner Gordon, there's Alfred, blah, blah, blah. Like, Tolkien has crafted, he built a world, a very kind of, you know, believable, but like a very well-constructed world with a proper history and all that kind of stuff. They're sort of drawing on that, and then mixing it in with definitely there a lot of their own stuff to generate the drama and stuff. I, I don't have a big problem with it. I don't see it as that different from like a lot of this stuff now to do with the IPs. It's like they do create their own characters and stuff 
then stick them into that world. That's kind of what they're doing. I, I don't mind it. Like, there is huge signposts here that are literally out of Tolkien's histories. Like, they mention Morgoth, and they mention Sauron, and they, the Numenor is going to be in it. Like, these are all things that are straight out of Tolkien's fiction. The characters, like the black elf who's consorting with the female, he doesn't exist in the, in the in the stories. But Tolkien didn't well, really write. They, they, can, they can only make stuff that's referenced to in the movies. They can't actually make references to anything in the books. Well, that's not true because they reference plenty of stuff that's not in the movies in the first episode. Like they mentioned, Morgoth never gets a mention in the movies. Never gets a mention in any of the movies. Morgoth, the original Dark Lord from the first age, he's mentioned in he's mentioned in this. Numenor, you know all that. Like I don't know. I I think they can. I there's probably limits. I agree. There's probably limits, but they're definitely referencing stuff that's not mentioned in the movies. And the whole thing is going to be though that at the end of the first episode, um, Galadriel is going to go back to Valinor. So Valinor was never mentioned by name in the movies. It's a big part of this. And just as she's about to cross over into Valinor and she's been hunting for Sauron, she exits the ship. She's like, no, I want to stay and hunt for Sauron. And the ship goes through to, like, heaven, Valinor. Um, Oh, I forgot what I was going to say. And then there's something to do with Elrond as well that happens. Oh, my God, sorry. I'm actually not at my 100% best here. But, like, there is stuff that is mentioned um, and shown in this that's building up to it. Like, so she leaves, um, and then then at the end of it, that's right, then at the end of it, there's this big comet that comes down at the end of the first episode, like, and you're like, what is that? Is it going to be... And then it crashes into a field, and it's like a person. And it's like, is that Sauron? Could that potentially be one of the, um, you know, one of the wizards? Um, who is that going to be, you know? Um, I anticipate it would probably be Sauron, but apparently Sauron's there, been around. So it could be one of the wizards, um, you know, Gandalf and all, all his guys um, coming down. Cause they, cause, and that is, that is, again, is in the fiction from, from Tolkien. Like, they were around from the Second Age. The wizards got sent... Um, you know, by the gods uh, to combat the rising evil in Middle Earth. So, and who's who, who's the character in the show that looks like a trailer park Eminem? No, that's Sauron, but he's not in the first oh, episode. Yeah. Oh. You don't see him in the oh. first episode, but that is, I believe, that is Sauron. Yeah. Um, Interesting look. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. So now, the Rings of Power at the end of the. I remember. Sorry, I remember what I was going to say. So at the end of the episode, when Galadriel has gone, and effectively Elrond's like, she's gone out of my sight, like he thinks she's left their friends. And the High King, who's kind of aware that there's darkness, but wants to get rid of Galadriel because, I don't know, he thinks she's too hardcore. Um, uh, he says, we've got a special project, and he references some guy, Selimport or something. Uh, and, we, and I believe that will be the Rings of Power. Like, we're going to, because they, you know, they did the three Elven Rings and the seven Dwarf Rings and the nine rings for men i believe that will be the project um you know because he crafted these rings and that's where sauron gets involved as well so yeah i don't know um it's interesting man i i think you'll probably enjoy it like i mean it's not it's not bad it's pretty you know it looks like a pretty good show I, i think anyway and um i think for the tolkien fans um i mean at the end of the day you've always got the books and the original movies like it looked to me like it was going to really be a candidate with the movies 
sort of thing like and fleshing out a world that was never fleshed out really like you unfortunately you can't read those books like Tolkien didn't write those books that are like super immersive narratives you know they're more like histories and some of the histories are quite interesting but some are very dry um he didn't write you know what I'm trying to say Rich he didn't write a commercial fiction sort of thing about those eras um so it's kind of there for the plucking but what I did think as I was watching it Rich do you think and see I think you know this could be a step too far for a lot of people but imagine this show becomes a big hit and a you know you would think it will like it's 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 launched huge there's a lot of hype on it let's just hypothetically say that this is a you know it, it is a very well regarded show and it runs for numerous seasons do you think the estate might actually produce novels set in this time period not histories but actual novels rich that's what i was thinking uh probably yeah i, mean, I, I assume I, that they would try and milk this as much as possible now and to me that's kind of, not worse but to me that will be where it really is now we're really going to well, Cash it, I know yeah. there was. A, I know there was already people complaining that they were pumping out Lord of the Rings books with covers of this TV show on it. I don't care about that. Though. That's every single. It's every single no, novelization saying, of a movie. If they're going to be doing, yeah, but this isn't. This isn't Lord of the Rings. They, we already had the movies. This has got nothing to do with the Lord of the Rings books, and shouldn't have the and shouldn't be on the covers of the Lord. Well, of the Rings it's in the same world. And there are references to the Second Age in Lord of the Rings. Like Numenor, Gondor comes from Numenor. Like Numenor, Numenorians who fled Numenor are the people who created Gondor. So there's a direct link. You know, it's, it's all set in Middle Earth. Like it's like it's like a D and D book having the D and D emblem on it. Like it's all the same world. Don't you think? You say so. Well, what are you saying? It's not the same world. I mean, it, uh, is, it is the same fictional I'm world. I'm saying that this is a completely different story and should not be having the Amazon fucking TV show covers on the original <laughs> uh, on reprintings of the books. I think that's. But they're just I trying to. They're, they're just cashing in, man. Like no, no, that's my point. Of they're cashing in, so of course they're going to cash in if this is even remotely successful, mate. There's going to be all sorts of shit that they're going to be cashing in on. I don't mind, though. Like, it's an industry. Like, Lord of the Rings, dude, I think is one of the best constructed, like, worlds in terms of lore, no, fictional worlds. I No, see, I completely disagree. I'm okay with you re-releasing the novels when a movie comes but out. But they're never the out of print. based on those novels. Okay. But this is, not, this is not that story. It's a different story, so keep it off the original book's covers. It's got nothing. It's not... It's not the same story. Yes, you could argue it's the same world, but it's not the same story. Well, like when the you movies don't need came to out, argue, you don't need to argue it's the same world. It is the same world. The world of Middle Earth, created by J.R.R. Tolkien, owned by the Tolkien estate, licensed it to Amazon for like five hundred million. So, it, it it definitely is. It's all it's all from the mind and the imagination originally of J.R.R. Tolkien. Like they're the they're, that's the estate who owns all these works. And then they, they've licensed it out for five hundred million to Amazon, who created this stuff. So, I mean, it's like, dude, it's like if um, there's a book series, you know, a series of books, like the Dark Tower, you know, when, when the when the first Dark Tower, you know, and by the way, Lord of the Rings is never out of print, but like when the Dark Tower movie came out, and they were really hoping it was going to be big, they re-released the first book, and I've got it when it's got the Dark Tower movie and it's got the blurb on it on the front cover, and 
you, you know, like if any series of books comes out, like any new Harry Potter thing comes out, there'll be some, like the Harry Potter books get re-released with this, with a different cover image. Do you know, just tie into yes, whatever but they the didn't. Thing. But they didn't re-release the Harry Potter novels with the uh, Fantastical Beasts and Where to Find Them covers. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I, I understand that when a movie comes out, they put the covers of, they, they re-release it with, the, with things related to that movie because it's based on that book. That's uh, not what I have an issue with. What I have an issue with them is them taking this TV show <laughs> and putting it on the covers of the original book. But what, what are they putting on the cover? Like what, like a sticker saying, as seen in Rings of Power or something? Something no, like actual like covers of the actors or, or promotional stuff, like actual new covers of the TV all show. All that is, all that is, is called synergy. That's just synergy. No. Right? It is. That's literally what it is. Like, it's just, it, it's just like, what, you know, what is the, what is Lord of the Rings? Okay. We'll always, we'll never be out of print. Probably in 50, 100 years time, it'll probably still be in print. But what's the biggest thing in Lord of the Rings right now? The Rings of Power TV show, because Amazon are backing it. So, of course, the publishers of the Lord of the Rings novels, okay, um, whoever they whoever they are, I forget who they were. It was Alan Newman, but whoever publishes them now, whoever owns the rights, they just cash in. So they just, it's obvious because people who are reading Rings of Power, or watching, sorry, watching Rings of Power, just like the movies, you know, from 20 years ago, will, will drag in new viewers. There'll be someone out there who's never read Lord of the Rings and it's like, man, this is really intriguing. And the fact is, it does have Elrond in it. It does have Galadriel in it. They're in Lord of the Rings. You know what I mean? There are some characters who actually are in it. Sauron, he's in Lord of the Rings. Galadriel is probably the lead character in the show. She's in Lord of the Rings. Like, there's enough connective tissue there that they can promote it. Like, you can't argue that Elrond and Galadriel, they're definitely in it. You know, they're in both, they're in both worlds, in both book series. Do you hear what I'm saying? Well, I mean, you know, I don't. I know you don't like. I just, I just completely disagree with you, but that's fine. But do you disagree that Galadriel and Elrond are in it because they're in the TV show and they're in Lord of the Rings? Well, you know, Dumbledore is in the Fantastic Beasts, so you know, just put the Fantastic Beasts covers on Lord of the on the Harry Potter books because they were in the same books. So but no, but that wouldn't if that happened if if that happened it wouldn't stun me, you know. Like at the end of the day, I would, dude, just I I just think that is I just think that is. It's just marketing, though, man. It's that That's marketing. That's people complaining about marketing. I feel like tainting the originals with this fan fiction. Are you kidding? Like, this so-called fan fiction, dude, is what's, you know, it's the biggest thing. Like, the people who are publishing Lord of the Rings will be absolutely loving this fucking series because it will sell so many more copies of Lord of the Rings. You know, like it just will. It's just like the rising tide. I think they would have done it regardless of what covers wanted. Yeah, but like, it's just tying in. It's just synergy. It's like, it's like. Well, that's fine. They just put a sticker on it that says. Yeah, check, like, you know, check out the fucking TV show. Don't actually create new covers with your shitty. I hear what you're saying. Let's on. let's. I want to have a look. I do understand what you're saying. Lord of the Rings books with. I get what you're saying. Lord of the Rings books with Rings of Powers covers. Yeah. I mean, I would have thought more likely Rings of Power's covers. Where did you get this information, Rich? Um, so basically, and by the way, the covers are actually shit as well. I'm just looking uh, for it. First, I'm just looking for it, man. Yeah. The first book is just Galadriel chest 
holding a sword. And then I think the second book is um, Elrond in a, a chest shot holding a sword. So you don't even see the characters. It's literally just the laziest fucking covers that you can imagine just, right. to, just to put it on the covers. I think I'm looking at one now. I think I'm looking at one. Uh, I mean, what I'm looking at is just someone holding a sword. You can't really yeah, tell who it all, is. All three covers are like that. Well, is it that bad? I think it's fucking lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's the height of of laziness and greed. But dude, like, if you're going to be greedy, at least at least put some effort into it. But dude, it's just marketing, man. Like that's all it is. That's marketing one hundred and one. Like whatever the current product is that's hot, you slap that on the book cover. However tangentially you can get it on. Like that's just because you want to sell books. Basically, that's the goal. You know, like, because there'll be people out there. No, no, but you see, no, because I, I completely disagree with you because if the TV show is successful and it's going to sell the books anyway, you didn't, you don't have to actually spend the money to slap these shitty covers on them because they were going to sell regardless of what covers were on them. But what I'm trying to say is, I mean, you worked in publishing. It's a tale as old as time. Like, this always happens to every single book series that gets a major motion picture deal. There's always... Pretty much always, it gets released with a cover advertising the movie, like the tie-in yes, kind of thing. Because that's the movie is the book. This TV show is not. I I, book. I hear what you're saying, but it is very. It is this. It is literally the same world, and it does have the same characters. So there is a very strong connective tissue in it. You know what I mean? Like that's all I'm trying to say. Like. The world that Tolkien built, which is, we'd say in the movies and stuff, which people saw, did reference the past a lot. You know what I mean? Like, it, you were aware watching the movies that there was a past before the events of Lord of the Rings, you know? And so this is kind of peeling the oh, layer back one. So I'm going to tell you something now, though. This is off topic, mm. but there is something that's going to really turn me off the show. Tell me. Tell me, I don't care about spoilers. Uh, LG have come in. No, no, LG have come in, and I have now the Who? this Rings of Power trailer on repeat on all LG TVs in my store, and I'm really sick of it already. <laughs> oh, I see. You're just saying, yeah, okay. Well, well, just watch the show, man. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, you can't hold the makers of Lord of the Ring, Rings of Power responsible for that. That's just unfortunate. I understand that would oh, get in your head. Again, that's marketing, Dave. That's one hundred and one marketing. They they chose to do that. Come it on. is. There's. I. I look. That's like Christmas carols. People who work in retail have to listen Christmas carols every December. I understand uh, they get if, sick of it. You if, know. Yeah, but if 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 I mustn't hold if if I mustn't hold that uh, uh, against them, that's that's ridiculous. If you then say I can't hold the the couples against. Them. Well, you can. Of course, you can. But I, I'm just saying. Why don't you? What I'm trying to find is this fucking person who crash-landed. That's what I want to know. Who the fuck crash-landed at the end of episode one? Is it... I'm hoping it's like Gandalf. That's what I'm hoping, but it's either Gandalf or Sauron or another wizard. That would probably make more sense because if they can do another wizard, it doesn't have to be Gandalf. And, that you know, Tolkien really only fleshed out Gandalf and Saruman. He didn't really flesh out the other wizards, even though The Hobbit, of course, did Radagast, who's only very briefly mentioned... Um, my prediction, not having watched episode two, and I will report back next week, is that that is one of the wizards who's crash landed, and I will say it will not be Saruman or Gandalf; it will be one of the other wizards. Um, but anyway, Rich, more than likely because they can do more with him. Exactly. That's that, that's. But like, as a writer and a lover, lover of Tolkien, I've got to be honest; it is kind of exciting to me 
because I don't see it as that different from working on a regular show. Like every show, you know, has a Bible kind of thing on TV and has things you can't stray from and blah, blah, blah. How is this any different? Like you've got your boundaries, you know what you can't do. You know, you can't make so, sore on the ultimate good guy and all this. You know, there are boundaries to what you can do, but there's freedom within the box kind of thing. And I'm sort of like, I don't see, I see it as kind of an exciting challenge to write in a world Tolkien built if you're a writer on the show and a lover of Tolkien. Like, it's not, you know, you're doing things, okay. You, you... Well, it, it, it's probably because um, very rarely are things not created by the original person as good or better than the original work because it's not done by the original. Yeah, but what creator. about shows? What about shows like a show like Westworld? which was based on a movie from the 70s and they did like, you know, five or six seasons of a show and they had all these really cool writers in there. And I mean, they're technically working on the same concepts as the movie, but they took it so much further, you know? Yeah, I'm just using it as an example. Yeah, but that's a very poor example because Westworld, uh, Westworld is not a cultural phenomenon that is beloved by hundreds of millions of people around the world. It's a niche. Yeah, it's a cult. forgotten about um, movie. Uh, shows, a uh, movie. So... Yeah. You know, it's not that's that's apples and oranges. Like I'm talking about things that are super popular, like mm. the world over. When things are done by people afterwards, not the actual creator of the world and the characters. Let's be honest, nine times out of ten, it's just not as good. So but what about all the what about good. all the Batman product that we've had? All the different variations yes, of Batman. But that's different though, Dave, because that's How? been uh, that's been written differently by eighty year, uh, for, uh, for over eighty years, and mm-hmm. some have been really good, and some have been really shit. I'm, so I'm saying it's got it ups and downs. You're journeying yeah. through, but I'm just saying, but you're not doing that many adaptations of Tolkien's work. This is the first adaptation ever to come out of Tolkien that isn't written by Tolkien. Well, what about Peter Jackson's stuff? He, he, yeah, he, no, but Peter Jackson went in there and he said that he he had to make some obviously some changes for yeah. the flow, but he wanted to be as accurate sure. to the books as possible. Yeah. He wasn't writing a continuation though. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about interpretation. I'm talking about a continuation that is done after someone's death or yeah. you know when they come in and go, oh, we want to do a sequel or or something. But it, no one associated with it is the original creator. It's just not generally but always good. I hear your point, but he look. I hear your point. Of course, I hear your point. But Tolkien d- did create a sort of a scenario of of the Second Age. They're going to massively expand and do their own shit. I agree, and believe you me, Rich. By the end of this season, I could have completely turned on this show. Like I already don't like the fact the Hobbits are in it. You know, because believe you me, halflings, whatever halfwoods they're called. But like, I I fucking hate that they're in it and that they've got like a major role because that just that's just that's just basically their way of like for all the people who love the hobbits in the lord of the rings movies like oh here you go here are some hobbits yeah, still, well, you know? yeah but again they see they made exactly the same mistake see i figure that these people do exactly the same mistakes that were made in the hobbit movie mm. right the hobbit movie did not need any tie-ins to the movies yeah. but they were like no we have to yeah because those movies are popular, so we've we've got to have Legolas or someone in it. Oh we've yeah, got to, we've got to have Gandalf uh, 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 know about Sauron. You know, we've got to we've got to somehow tie it. And you know, you don't have to. Just like you don't have to have hobbits in this. You want to have hobbits because mm. people are familiar with hobbits in the mm. other movies, and so you feel you have to have them. And that's not 
to me, that's not artistic choice. That's just you, as you say, capitalizing oh, that's on that's marketing. That's marketing. Yeah, and yeah. and that's why I think this show is going to be a bit up and down. I think well, for people because uh, I, I think there's going to be a lot of stuff that just put in there for for the sake of putting it in there, even though it doesn't actually need. I will say this. Um, in terms of the scenes with the necromancer in the Hobbit movie, there is reference in the Hobbit book to both the necromancer and Gandalf going there. So that is referenced. Uh, now, I actually... And it's very poorly done. Like, the scenes with the necromancer in the Hobbit movie, in my mind, are quite terrible. Um, because... But that was like... They, they had it mentioned. It's very similar to what they've got in this show. Like, if you look at the, the mention of the Necromancer in The Hobbit and, this, and the very brief mention of Gandalf going there, which is either in The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings, I can't remember. But regardless, it's, a, it's, it's, the, it's the equivalent of about two to three sentences. You know what I mean? And Oh, yeah, but, I mean, in that movie, they included Galadriel. They included oh, yeah, Solomon, yeah. Yes, you know, and that's like, what I'm saying. So you took that very brief mention... And then he built that whole scene. Fucking everyone was there. Gladriel, Radagas, fucking every man and his dog. And it was not a satisfying scene. It felt empty. It, it you know, I actually felt like it needed. If I'd been writing that scene, I would have given it more actual, uh, more more sort of weight than they gave it. I thought it was a very empty scene. Now the danger is very similar to this show in that Tolkien did sketch out in two to three sentences what they then tried to exploit. In this show, Tolkien, very similarly, has kind of like built sort of vague, sort of dry boundaries to the Second Age. They're there, and and then there's a lot of room to play within those boundaries. My fear is that they play in those boundaries, and as you're saying, it's very unsatisfying because they've almost got too much freedom. And that is definitely a danger. On the first episode, I will say I think they did a pretty good job. I, now, I'm not saying that by the end of this season, I couldn't be completely disgusted with their decisions. You know, like, I reserve the right to change my mind. I've only watched the first episode, which I felt they did a pretty good job of. Um, but that's the danger. Like, Peter Jackson really failed when it came to fleshing out the Hobbit books into three fucking movies, which he didn't want to make three movies, but at the end of the day, he did. And I felt they were a flabby mess, you know? And you sort of like everything that you would fear... If you said to me, we're going to, you know, The Hobbit? Yeah. In my mind, that's one movie. That's one big movie. You know, it's a big movie, but, in, you know, a three-hour movie, you could do The Hobbit beautifully. Well, yeah. Originally, it was going to be, when Guillermo del Toro was attached to it, it was going to be two movies. Exactly. Exactly. Which is, I think, would have been fine. But three, it did not need to be three. That was the studio. Mm. And we, and I don't think anyone really, at their heart of hearts, thinks that, those three movies are anything like as good as the Lord of the Rings movies. You know, like they've got their moments, which are cool, but overall as a piece, they're, you know, in the shadow of the Lord of the Rings movies. Now, the danger with like this show is it could do exactly the same thing because if anything, they've not only they've got a pad, they've got to create stuff out of fucking, you know, like thin air. Like there's whole plot lines in the first episode that really are just, you know, Rich, I could have sat down and created them and the same as someone's created them in Hollywood. You know what I mean? Like, it's got nothing to do with Tolkien, really. You know, like, it's set in his world, but, like, there isn't a black elf going around consorting with a female in the stories, blah, blah, blah. You know, 
the rings of power creating them. Yes, there is, and you can see that that would be a big through line. But even then, there's not a ton of detail. It's not like Tolkien wrote, you know how like a fiction writer today, if Tolkien had been around today, you know, he, he would have pumped out those books about the writing the, you know, creating the rings of power and blah, blah, blah. It would have been like a 20, he would have been up to like 20, 25 books in his world, you know, how fantasy writers work today. But um, he didn't do that. So, again, someone's got to really build that story up and pad that story out and blah, blah, blah. And as you're saying, with all of this, there's a danger that it could fall far short of the expectations. So I'm, I'm going to judge it as it comes out. So far, I've watched one episode. I, I'd give it a 7.5 out of 10. You know, like, I thought it was a pretty decent first episode. That's, that's all I'm... But, but I'm going to retain my critical view. Don't get the impression, listeners that I'm, like, rose-coloured glasses this. I'm not. I'm actually watching it, like, with sort of, like... I'm like I'm kind of, like, impress me, is my attitude. And already I can tell you the scenes of The Hobbits, I was rolling my eyes. Because I'm like, fuck, seriously, I don't need these guys in this in this story. You know? To be well, fuck. Well, see how it goes. Yeah, man. And next week you've got to come with your review too, Rich. So you, you've got to get off the fence, man. Off the fence, dude. And, um, and make some decisions. Okay, so you're saying that I can choose which side of the fence to get off on? Totally, of course. So I can get off on the not watching it side? No, you cannot get off on that side. You just said I could. No, you've got to watch it and then get on the side of either you like the show or not. So you need to watch it. Yeah, you definitely need to watch it. Are you kidding, Richard? Now, I watched Top Gun Maverick over the weekend. I thought it was brilliant. I really, Michelle and myself really enjoyed this this um this movie rich i think yeah, actual, actual good content it was really good man I, I thought it was a like it was a you know what actually i thought it was going to be more of a throwback than it really was i think this was a really good movie i really do like yes i love the original top gun yeah i've seen it like fucking 20 times probably um and no, this movie doesn't recapture that feeling in you know as exactly. But I think it was a really well-made movie, far better than I thought when I first heard they were going to do Maverick. My my thought was like, oh my god, Tom Cruise is really reaching back to cash in on this one. I was proved wrong. I I think this was a genuinely good movie that I think a lot of people would enjoy. You know, oh for sure. Do of course. I mean, yeah. it's. I think it's still in the cinemas right now. Still, it is. It is. It is. I, yeah. I think it didn't it beat Avengers or something recently. It it went over Avengers: Infinity War. Um, yeah. And so I don't know how many you know one point three billion or whatever it is, but like, but it deserves it. Like you know, like oh, you you yeah. know when you you get some movies that make all that money and you're sort of like yeah you know like impressive they made all that money but sort of coasting on the name. I actually think this was a genuinely good movie. Uh, good action flick, but good characters, and yeah, I mean, I, I I just couldn't say a bad word about it. I I genuinely enjoyed it, and um, it was it was nice. It was nice to watch it, man. It was like a a dose of old fashioned fun, and frankly, I could do with more movies like this. You know, like I don't know why we got away from these kind of movies, really. You know, like I don't know why. I I I think they're, I think that at the end of the day, they're very satisfying to audiences, really. And, um, yeah, I, all I can say is, like, I mean, I was ready for Top Gun 3 by the end, man. You know? I'm ready for another one. I I, 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 I think they, I think they're going to... I, I would be surprised if they didn't do another Yeah, I think I they mean, might. I hope yeah. that they don't. But I prefer that they 
not make a movie if they don't have a good script. I mean, that would be the preference. Well, definitely. And you saw Christopher McQuarrie, the guy who works on all the Mission Impossibles with him. He was one of the co-writers of the script, I noticed. Um, yeah. And, I mean, he's been oh, very... Them, yeah, they, they, work, they work quite well together. They do. They do. I, 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 I was... Look, everyone said it was great. So I actually expected I was really going to like it. But I... But I as I was watching it, I was like, man, I'm really enjoying this. Like, it was it was a real pleasure to watch. As opposed, You know, sometimes things are a chore or they drag on. That movie did not drag. It felt like every moment mattered. There was tension, excitement. You know, there was a bit of humour. There was a bit of heart. Like, Tom Cruise is excellent. Um, Jennifer Connelly, I mean, she's just so beautiful. I, I really, I mean, I, I'm going to give it like a 9.5 out of 10, really. I, I thought it was almost perfect. Like... For me, fantastic. And the scenes with the jets and everything, like, I was just like, yeah. It brought me back to my childhood in a way, remembering how I wanted to uh, join the Air Force. Um, All all that filming was in actual jets. Which is so cool. Which is so damn cool. Like, yeah, it was really... um, There was a funny moment when he came out of the the, uh, window, you know, when he was at a house. And I go, yeah, Tom Cruise does all his own stunts. It was like like a two-meter drop. Hey, yeah. doesn't matter how big or small, he does yeah. it. Yeah, he does, exactly. Um, with that ankle that he got shredded in, in Mission Impossible a few years ago, I've got to imagine that hurts when he lands, you know? Um, I, feel like, I feel like Tom Cruise is the American Jackie Chan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd like say... The two of them have yeah. broken probably so many bones. Yeah. Although Jackie Chan more so, but I'm just saying. Yeah. Like, Tom Cruise is a bit like Jackie Chan. You can't believe, yeah. like, some of the shit that they do and and... And, and yeah, he fucking crushed his ankle. He did. He really did crush his ankle. Yeah. And, and frankly, sometimes look, I'm a huge Tom. It Cruise still fan. carried on, eh? Yeah. You can actually see in the in the movie because that that was the take they had to use mm. it. Mm. You actually see him pull himself up and hobble off. Yeah, like I, I was like, damn man, a lot of respect for that. Oh yeah, no, he's got he's got guts that's for sure. Um, yeah, no, really enjoyable movie. Uh, for, what would you give it out of ten, Rich uh, Maverick? I gave it a nine out of ten. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, it was excellent. Um, also, I don't know. I, I think in the two weeks since we've been here, I, I watched Elvis, the Baz Luhrmann movie. Absolutely loved it. Watched it at Michelle's mum's. We loved it, man. Like uh, you, I think downplayed how good this movie was to me. I thought it was fantastic. Um, it was okay. Oh, I I fucking loved Elvis, man. Like you know, I'm a big Elvis fan. I thought they did a really good job of encapsulating his career. They hit all the points that I want to see, pretty much. Um, look, I would have loved it if it'd be longer, like twice as long. But I, I, and also, I don't think I, I did not like Elvis is such a huge identity. I thought, and I know there's a whole industry of Elvis impersonators. I just felt on film it was going to be hard to touch the original. But I think the guy did a pretty good job, really. And I thought the story was really good. And, like, the cinematography and, you know, the, the spectacle of it that Baz Luhrmann brings. I was really impressed, to be honest. I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. I, I, I actually, I was very hesitant about it. And I, and I, I, do, I still don't understand why he's listening to rap. But thankfully, that was very brief. Um, I thought the majority of this movie was absolutely ex- excellent, really good. Um, amongst my favourite Baz Luhrmann movies, I put it up there with Romeo and Juliet as my favourite Baz Luhrmann movie. Um, we, uh, remind me, did you like it a lot, or were you sort of lukewarm? Um, yeah, I mean, I I think I think I gave it like a seven okay. out of ten. Yeah, um, 
you know. Um, I, I enjoyed it more than a seven. Like, I, I'm the opposite, though. I, I thought it may have been a little bit too long. Really? Yeah, well, I yeah. mean, it was... It did cover a lot of territory. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I actually felt like they timed it pretty well. I, I, I really, you know... And I like the end where they had actual Elvis scene from his last show. I thought that was kind of classy. Um, yeah, Colonel Tom Parker. As I've always said, Colonel Tom Parker was just a huckster, basically. Um, and I'm glad that the movie, you know, didn't mince, did not mince its words with him. Um, yeah, I, I look, I'm going to watch it again. I, I, I dug it, man. And um, at first I was like, ah, oh, this is going a bit slow. But when it really got into its groove, I felt like... It felt like um, kind of like a basic introduction to Elvis Presley, like the, the highs of his career, the key points. Because he, he really, in 20 years, he had such a storied career. Like, so much stuff happened, and the whole music industry kind of changed so much during from when he started in the mid-'50s to when he died in '77. I, I really felt they did a good job. I thought everyone was really cool in it. Like, the scenes with him that stuck in my mind when he was doing the Hollywood movies and the scenes with Priscilla and then doing the comeback special. And then all the Vegas stuff, which I'm, I'm a big fan of the Vegas era. I I, I really felt Baz Luhrmann, um, who is not someone whose films I always love, um, they're often not for me, but I felt that this particular one, it was pretty damn good. I, I was very impressed. Well, I mean, yeah, look, I mean... The movie really only focuses on his origin and his end. Like, the middle is kind of like... Well, it does the comeback special, and it does the goes, Hollywood years. Not really. I mean, they oh. kind of skipped the Hollywood years in a sense. Like, oh, but they had that good montage scene where they did all the movies. Yeah. I thought that was really what good. I'm saying, what I'm saying is the problem for me with that movie is I feel like they sacrificed the his and Priscilla's relationship in that movie where you didn't really get to spend mm. that much time with them as a couple. Sure, yeah. You know what I mean? So I think there are things in the movie that could have been done better. But again, I, I, when I said watch it, I terrible. Um, I just said there was just some odd choices and I just sure. thought maybe it was a little bit too long. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, for me, a uh, real pleasure. One of my um, good friends, Brad, is a massive Elvis fan. And I was very interested. Like, he's, a, he's bigger than me. He's really a big Elvis fan. And I texted him and I said, what did you think of it? And he said, loved it. Great acting, great story. So he got a tick of approval from an Elvis fanatic. And I mean, I'm not quite a fanatic, but I'm close. And I, I, I gave it a tick, you know. And, and, and for me, you'll never touch the original. Like, I watched the Blu-ray of That's The Way It Is and Elvis on tour. I watch them probably once every six months. You know what I mean? I, I love watching those. You know, the real Elvis, you can't beat him. But... This guy, I think, did a pretty good job, you know, in a demanding role. Because I, I, I think it's hard. Like, it's like if they did a, let's say tomorrow, they did a um, a biopic of John Lennon. Like, it's kind of like, oh, my God, we all, you know, so much footage of John Lennon. Like, we know his mannerisms. We know, we, we in a weird way, we kind of know him so well, even though, of course, we don't know him. But we, from the all the media, it's then hard to sort of imagine a person playing him successfully of course anyone could play him but and making you believe i felt this guy he didn't he didn't 100 percent nail it but i think he went pretty damn close i thought he did a pretty good job um and he was supported yeah, I mean, by my, only, my only issue was when he was playing older you didn't like that no no i thought he did good it's just that 
he, you could tell that he was a young guy. Sure. Yeah. Um, being an older Elvis, which was not his fault. I mean, they wanted to use the same actor, but mm. when he was the young Elvis to the comeback Elvis, I thought that was, that was really good. Yeah. yeah. When he got to the jumpsuit Elvis, the Vegas Elvis, where I kind of like, yeah, doesn't quite look. Yeah, yeah, I know. You like mean. that version of Elvis, too yeah. much. Yeah, but he did a good performance in that. In that it didn't take away from the performance. It was just that he never. My opinion, that was the only look that he didn't quite nail. But mm. the others he nailed when he when he was definitely the younger Elvis. Yeah, when he was you know the black leather Elvis, he was fine. There's just that when he got to the Vegas Elvis. Yeah, I know what you mean. It just it didn't quite you know didn't quite look right. What's your favorite you know, era? What's your favorite era of Elvis? Like if you had to put if you had to put a pin in it, like a real Elvis, like where 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 are you going if you're if you want to listen to some Elvis Presley, what era are you going to? Uh, probably the earlier stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, I, know, yeah. Jailhouse Rock. Uh, it's Hound good. Dog. It's good stuff. I know where I'm yeah. headed. Suspicious Minds can't go on together with suspicious minds. I love that late sixties, early seventies Elvis. You know, before he gets fat. But he's he is older. He's in the jumpsuit, but he's not yet put the pounds on. I just think he was at his peak, man. You know. Yeah, I like the energy of, of young Elvis. Yeah, I hear, you, man. I hear. You. It's the same thing with Johnny Cash. Do you like Johnny Cash when he was really young, and you know, whip smart and like cranking it out at Sun Records, or do you like the older like American recordings? You know, Johnny Cash or somewhere in the middle. Like, there's you know, he had a longer career, of course, but. Elvis, he, he, whatever you know. what, whatever period of him was uh, a boy named Sue. A boy named Sue was nineteen sixty nine, my friend. Yeah, that, boy named that's Sue. the Johnny Cash I like. That's a great period of Johnny Cash. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's probably his most popular period of all. Yeah, when he had the TV show and he had a boy named Sue and Live at Folsom Prison Blues and all that stuff. Yeah, um, I, enjoy, I watched him on uh, the Muppet Show. Yeah, well, that was in the seventies. That was that was that was more yeah. mid seventies. Yeah, when he was kind of past his peak. But just so weird. Yeah, I know, but it's just so weird seeing Johnny Cash with the Muppets. Yeah, well, Johnny Cash was pretty, like as the seventies rolled on, he was pretty mainstream, wholesome American entertainment. You know, like that rebel image kind of softened a lot in the seventies. You know, he was pretty mainstream. Um, early in his career, he was very much rebel rebel but like yeah by the 70s he he really was family friendly johnny cash you know um and he was appearing on the muppets and all that kind of stuff uh now you have a review here of the samaritan now i haven't watched it yet but i want to watch it um give us your thoughts rich uh it's it's flawed Mm. but enjoyable um there are a few it's a really good concept yeah what is it? An um, older superhero played by Sly? Is that basically it? So basically, I give you the gist. Um, yeah. There's two brothers, yes. one called Samaritan, one called Nemesis. Oh Jesus! Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> who basically, you know, one's the hero, one's the villain. Right. And in in a you know final battle, they disappear. Uh huh. They did. Uh huh. And we find out that. Uh, 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 that he survived uh-huh. and he's kind of living in a city and it's a city with, you know, like it's pretty like uh downtrodden sort of thing and all that. Yeah. And then there's this young upstart gang leader sort of stuff who wants to continue the work of nemesis 
um and he kind of like and you know he befriends his boy and he's kind of like drawn back into that shit and all that now um i don't want to spoil too much sure because it's definitely a movie that you 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 need to go uh you go and go in blind okay but i feel like it's an interesting concept that wasn't fleshed out enough mm-hmm. there was a lot of things that i wish had been you know um fleshed out a bit more that had been many expanded upon right um, how is sly is he in good form back. okay <laughs> Yeah, his character's a bit like older Rocky, you know, uh-huh. got some pools of wisdom, kind of almost wants to be left alone. Yeah. Um, but what I'll say is that the vibe I got from it, like the feeling I got was, remember those movies, the, the hero movies they made in like the late 90s? Like Shadow where, and all that stuff. Yeah. No, not that, like where it was a little bit lower budget. Right. Um, uh, kind of feel, you know, almost where they didn't want to do the garish costumes. You know, they wanted to have that 90s yeah um it's it's, it's weird to explain but it like just Blade? has this sort of like Blade 90s, and stuff like that yeah like, kind of like that like you know no one in co- you know because even like the samaritan and them, their costumes aren't really like costumes you know it's like but i don't mind like, that man you know like that no 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 cool. i'm not saying that in a bad way and yeah. it's actually good because the budget is high but i feel like that's what they were going for sure was that sort of 90s Okay. But in a good way, not the Morbius bad way. Yeah, yeah. I know. I understand what you're saying. And um, to be honest, I, when done well, I like that. So, yeah. I mean, definitely worth a watch. Yeah. Look, I mean, I give it. A, I, I'd probably say a six point five. Okay. Um, where it's enjoyable watch, but you will kind of feel like it should have been more. Yep. Okay. I will definitely have watched it by next week. I actually meant to watch it. Um, but I've, as I said, I've been ill and I haven't really had as much time. But um, I will definitely have it watched by next week. Um, it's on Amazon Prime for those who are interested. Um, and, and you said Sly gives a good performance. Yeah, yeah, it's it's actually a good, uh, it's a good sort of uh, performance. Excellent. Who plays the brother? Is there anyone of note? Oh, yeah, it's Sylvester. It's, uh, they're twin brothers. Oh, he plays both roles. Does he? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay, oh, I, I I did not realize that. Okay, cool. Although to be fair, it, it's not like he plays both roles because that's flash, but like that's that's the flashback stuff. That's the this is the story, and then you pick up with old Sylvester. So it's not like right. I understand. You know. Okay, cool. Well, uh, worth a watch. Uh, now, also, House of the Dragon came out. Um, we're two episodes in. I'm digging it. Michelle and I are digging it. I friends of mine who are Game of Thrones Game of Thrones fans are all giving it a thumbs up, saying it reminds them a lot of early Game of Thrones. Um, have you caught any of it, Rich? I know you're not quite the Game of Thrones guy, are you? you? Have you stayed away from this one? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I know. But but can I ask a question? Why? Like, what is it that? Because believe you me, there's there's hardly any sex in this. You know, it's it's. It's like early Game of Thrones in that the quality bar is reasonably high. It's interesting. It's court intrigue. Like, what's stopping you from watching it? I just never got into Martin's books. Just thought they were pretty meh. Really? So I'm not interested in the TV show. Man, you like to swim against the tide of popular culture, don't you, Rich? Like, really, at the end of the day. Like... If those books not really. I like to (laughs) I like to find my own way. I don't like I don't like following the the flock i don't like following the ants you know single file that's all i ever do i I follow trends like nothing else man i hop on and off like you wouldn't believe man you know that's what you got to do man you got to write a trend 
and then and then he'll hop off. Nah. Yeah. No, catch a trend, man. Let's catch a wave. They would, they would eat away at my soul. Oh, buddy, that's the first casualty. There's no soul left over here. There's just the death head mask grinning, man. You know, I'm close to death, dude. Uh, what do I care? You're not exactly. You're not. Well, I was going to say you're not exactly <laughs> talking me into it. So it's like you're not, you're not selling it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like honestly, watching it, it's not that fucking good. You know what I mean? Like, it's interesting. It's fun and stuff. But like. I don't know. It's almost like it's a bit overhyped, if I can be brutally honest. Like, I'm enjoying it, but, like, part of me's like, is this really that good? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's almost like they're doing Game of Thrones just again. Like, to me, it's very similar. Yeah, um, it's like a do-over. Yeah, it really is. Like, I'm watching it, and I'm like, in the first episode, like, you know, they're all focusing on Tangarians and all this shit, but, like, you see, for fucking half a second, you see... Um, uh, the Starks and you see the Baratheons and like, but like, it's just, they're just like name checked more than anything. But even the concept of it with them all arguing in the throne room and everything, you're like, man, this is just like, it's literally like they've gone, let's do Game of Thrones again and just set it earlier and all the lessons that we learnt will just apply, you know? And so there's a sense of like, I feel like we've been here before kind of thing in a weird way. Um, and, it, like, it's good. Like, it is good. I, I'm enjoying it. I'm hooked. But there's a little part of my mind which is, like, I'm watching The Shield uh, and I'm getting deeper and deeper into that show now. And I'm like, that is so much better. You know, like... Can I... Go ahead. Can I tell you what I have been watching? Yeah, what have you been watching? That I have been absolutely loving. What? I've been watching Abbott and Costello. Oh, the original movies? No, their TV show that they had back in the day. Oh, really? I didn't even know they had a TV show. Okay. Good. I mean, yeah. they're they're classics. Oh, I've I've been chortling. Like I've actually really? had moments where I've actually laughed out loud. You're really dialing it back, Rich. Abbott and Costello. I mean, they are good. I agree. But like, wow. Have you seen Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein? Oh yeah, yeah. I've seen I've seen the movies. Um, but like, this is their TV show where that skit. You know, who's on first? Yeah. That's that's from this TV show that the uh, that they had. Um, which I think they did. I want to say after the movies or maybe in between the movies. I think it's only about two, two or three seasons. Right. Um, Is it black and white? 20... Oh yeah. Black and white. It's only about 23 minutes each. How'd you get your hands like on this? Episode. Was this, was this YouTube? Was this selling the high seas? Where no, it? it's actually, it's actually on prime. Right. Okay. Wow. I mean, I like it, Rich. You're dialing back though, man. Aren't you? You're just, you're not afraid to dive back into the time machine. My time machine generally stops in the sixties. That's why. That's why I said, man. I don't. I follow my own path. I find you stuff do, man. that I want to watch. And you do, and dude. I don't care what decade or what year it's from. Well, I, well God bless I you. God bless path. you. Like I, I, I go different directions, but I say God bless you. Like I, I'll tell about. you this: that from something that's from the fifties, yeah, is so much funnier than almost every single comedy show today. Cobra Enthusiasm? Great fucking show. No, I like today as in like what's been made in the last Well Kirby Enthusiasm. It's like the years. new season just came out this year. Like that's pretty current, isn't it? Yeah, but that no no, but I mean that started like fucking hasn't that been around for like ten years? More, I think. More. More like yeah, fifteen, that's twenty what, years. I'm talking about I'm talking about any new comedy show now that has sure. like started in the last, let's say, five years. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Well, I mean, frankly, I don't think we're setting the bar that high either. Like a lot of so-called comedy these days, it's sort of like, is it funny? <laughs> you know, like it's it's okay. Um, 
Yeah, but I mean, well, they're classics for a reason, Abbott and Costello. Like, I mean, I'm by no means a aficionado, but it's kind of like the Marx Brothers, which I love. You know, I, I love the Marx Brothers. And, mm. like, and it's classics for a reason. Like, they're, when they're on, those guys, they are fucking on, you know? And it's hilarious. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, back in South Africa, we used to actually watch old uh, episodes of uh, uh, Laurel and Hardy. Wow. Oh, Jesus. So, that's yeah. really dialing it back, so isn't I, it? I, de- I definitely have a love for old old comedy. <laughs> yeah, man. That's cool. Well, moving away from Abbott and Costello and Laurel and Hardy, uh, Ubisoft have officially unveiled Assassin's Creed Mirage following a leak this week. Uh, they confirmed that more information will arrive at its Ubisoft Forward Showcase next week. Late yesterday, Richard, a piece of artwork was smuggled out of Ubisoft. No, it appeared to be a piece of artwork appeared to be related to an upcoming entry in Ubisoft's long-running stealth action series, sporting an Assassin's Creed Mirage logo. It depicts a white-hooded figure staring down a shadowy form wielding a curved sword. The exact context is unclear but it's possible the leaked image is tied to future downloadable content announced for the just-announced game. Um, Assassin's Creed Mirage, previously codenamed Rift, is the follow-up to 2020's Viking-themed Valhalla. Set in 9th century Baghdad and originally planned as an expansion to Valhalla, Mirage will put Valhalla's supporting character, Basim Im Ashab, in the lead role. He's the guy who um, runs the Assassins. Uh, featuring a more condensed world to explore and focus primarily on stealth gameplay. What? A more condensed world? I want a bigger world. What's this shit, man? Like, I, I do like that it's featuring the, that assassin, because he is the... Um, he's kind of like the apprentice assassin, um, or whatever you call it, like, where there's, like, a mentor, and, you know, then... He's not an apprentice in any shit, but he's, like, the second-in-command. And he stays, he stays behind in the settlement... Um, and he gives, like, you know, you've got to go and do shit for him, and he gives you objects and stuff when you reach various levels. Um, yeah, so I'm down for that. He's Middle Eastern, obviously, which, you know, 9th century Baghdad. I mean, sounds great to me, Rich, but I'm not enjoying hearing more condensed world. Do you feel that this is going to be a proper game, man, or is this going to be kind of more downloadable shit? Like, what's going on? Uh, what are your vibe? I imagine this would, I imagine this would be a game. But what's this shit about more condensed? Uh, you know, cut out that the cut out the Ubisoft bloat, the unnecessary shit that they make you do just to just to pad the game out that doesn't actually add anything to the game. But I love that stuff. <laughs> but are they? What about guys like me, man, who like to do the extra stuff? You know, like we don't want a smaller world, Rich. You know, like I was the one who was saying that they made America too small. In the American, you know, side quest, that was only like a little province. I thought it was going to be all of America that you could explore. And it wasn't, man. It was like a little section, a little square. Um, I'm not happy. Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to put an actual continent on a game for you to go explore. Why not? They're going to do it in the new GTA game, apparently. There's going to be... A continent? Yeah, the, a continent, man. Well, is North America and South America a continent? Because both of them are supposed to be the new GTA game. Yeah, it's not going to be the full... Uh, gu- I guarantee it's only certain places you're going to go to, Dave. It's going to be cordoned off. I don't think you're going to be able to, to drive from one end of America to the other end I through may... the Canadian border to get to Alaska and shit. I don't think that's going to happen, Dave. Yeah, to be fair, I may be slightly 
embellishing the story there. But there was rumours of that, uh, of South America being in the new GTA game. But regardless, it was a very small square in Assassin's Creed Valhalla, the American section. It was very small. It was bullshit, actually. Yeah, because that was just DLC, wasn't it? No, it wasn't DLC. It was part of the main no, game. No. But it was. It okay. felt like DLC. It, it wasn't DLC, mm. but it felt like DLC, yes. Um, Ireland and Paris both of which were far bigger than the America were DLC content. Um, I'm down for it, You're not going to get me interested in any of these Ubisoft games, I'm afraid. But I tell you what, just the other day, um, I I started getting real... Oh, we were at the work conference, that's right, and the guys were all talking about it. I'm actually going to get an Assassin's Creed tattoo. Um, One of my pals at work has got an Assassin's Creed tattoo on his back, and I was like, man, that's fucking epic. I want one. And I'm going to get the Assassin's Creed black flag tattoo, Rich, on my back. Feeling pretty cool right now, you know. I, I told Michelle she, she just she just kind of rolled her eyes. But like, why not, man? You know, I've got I've got Athena on my right arm, man. What about Assassin's Creed Black Flag, the pirate man? You know, I love the pirates mixed with Assassin's Creed. Yeah, you do you, buddy. I will you do, do me, man. I will do me. And when I ascend to heaven, they'll probably just let me straight through. Like, go, well, you got the tattoo. Come on through. But like, yeah. Assassin's Creed. Oh, for your sake, for your sake, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what did they say to you? Imagine if it gets a questionnaire, like, okay, what are your favourite games? You're in heaven, you're in the waiting room, you finally get called. What are your favourite games, Dave? Assassin's Creed. Uh, any preferences? Yeah, Valhalla. Also, big fan, fan of Black Flag. Got the tattoo on my back. Go straight through. Okay. No, they'll be like, ooh, sorry, buddy. You're going downstairs. <laughs> But do you like the way I keep going? Oh, but so the point of the story was the guys were getting. There's a couple of guys talking about Assassin's Creed, and I'd had a couple of uh, gin and tonics. I got very excited, and I started talking about the TV show. I feel like I'm the only person. I was like, I was like telling them, yeah, there's this TV show coming out on Netflix. Uh, but I feel like I'm the only person keeping that alive. Like no one's talking about that show other than me, and I report on it like weekly. I'm constantly. I, I check in Google to see if there's any news about that TV show. Like and what? Maybe the f- there isn't a TV show, and you you were just imagining it. Well, there is one in production. They, there's supposed to be an Assassin's Creed live-action show and an animated show coming, but the... I, I think you made that up, Dave. I think it's all in your head. No, Assassin's Creed Netflix show. <laughs> no, but it's bullshit, man. Like, what are they waiting for? Like, at a certain point, the Assassin's Creed bubble is going to fucking burst. You know, like, what are they <laughs> What are they waiting for? Like, you know... <laughs> oh, you ages ago. It's still popular, man. Assassin's Creed Valhalla is the top-selling Assassin's Creed game. So, you know, out of all the Assassin's Creed games, that's the one that's the biggest, the biggest seller. It's the last one. So, they can't yeah, be- but what? Yeah, but what you're finding is that that's not the analytics that they're looking at. What are they looking at? They're probably looking at how many people actually finish their games. Well, maybe, but I don't know. I, Which I'm- is probably why they're condensing the next one. Yeah, well, we'll see. Yeah, I'm. I'm because not. I, I don't. I from my understanding, the analytics for the Valhalla is not that many players actually finished it. Like off their ported. Really? Mm. Why? It was awesome. Um, I tell you what, it was long. That was one factor. It was damn long, actually. Like I, I put in hundreds of hours in that game. Um, also, what annoyed me was because when I went to this, actually annoyed me. So when I finished the game, and I quote finished, it didn't give me the credit scene because 
they abolished the credit scene because they had the Siege of Paris coming out. And I was like, really? I don't even get the credit scene? Like, so it was like, you saw the bit where it ended, where he walks away and the camera kind of pans out and out and out, but then it just flashed back to him and he was just going to do whatever. And I was like, I, I think I deserved after hundreds of hours getting an end credit scene, you know? And, and then uh, it, you probably didn't get the good, you didn't do enough to get the good ending. No, I did. They they removed it from the game. They removed it in one of the updates because they had the Siege of Paris. So they actually removed the credits. So I did complete it all, but they removed the credits because they want people to, you know, oh, don't stop playing. We've got like another adventure coming. Don't 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 switch games. You know that kind of shit. They do. Which yeah, I, you see, I'm I'm very different when it comes to open world games. I guess maybe it's because. Um, uh because of like old school mmos and all that sort of stuff is i like a map that's just like a clean map and i get rewarded for exploring right you know what well, i mean like I... Assassin's creed. no clear, because man. when you open up assassin's creed it's markers everywhere mate it's not a it's not a clean map <laughs> what do you it's mean like oh here's 50 markers on the map go here to get this go here to do that go here to do for this mission and it's oh, like yeah. no like I like like i i you you probably haven't played much eldering because you've been playing valhalla but mm. There's nothing on the map. You just choose. Like, yeah, you got the markers telling you, hey, this is where you go for the main story. Yes. But hey, if you want to go yeah, yeah. there, go. Oh, there's a lot less, a lot less direction in Elden Ring, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, and that was the same with like old MMOs, right? Like, you your quest, you pick up a quest, but it wouldn't tell you where any other quests were on the map. You had to like read where you're supposed to go and you would go exploring and you would find other quests. You know, you would go, oh my yeah. God, I've just stumbled upon a, a quest and you know, I, I like I like that. If you're gonna make an open world game, I prefer that it's just like we reward you for exploring. We don't just fill your but map do, with but all can this I stuff say and say, this, look at this, look at this. I hear your point and I understand that. And I, I do get it, because all the Ubisoft games do it. But in Assassin's Creed Valhalla at least, and in Origins, you can roam big time. You can roam. To I mean, they give you the options to turn it off, but my point is they never designed the game that way. Like, they designed that. It's, and I get why they do it. You know, they're like, oh, we, we made all this stuff. We want you to go see it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I get it, but I'm also like, yeah, but I mean, I wish you would just, like, design your game that things are hidden or that I have to go looking for things. And, you know, maybe I see that waterfall and I go, I wonder if there's a, what if there's a cave behind that waterfall and I go there and there is a cave and guess what? There's nothing in it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Oh shit. Yeah. yeah. It was a cave. There's nothing in it. Well, who cares? Like, I don't know. I like, I get joy out of that. I don't get joy out of like, Oh, there's a cave. Therefore there must be. You don't like it. Like, you, like Assassin's Creed and probably Far Cry as well. When you're playing them, it's kind of, it's weirdly like a job. Like you go to this guy, he gives you these tasks to do. You go to the spot, you do the task, you come back, you do, you know, there's a lot of like, um, like, you, you, there's a, a lot of the missions, that's kind of what it is. Like, go there, do this kind of thing, and, and, mm. then, and then get rewarded. But I, I like that. I mean, I, I, find, I think they do that for simplicity, though, because the world's so big as well. You know, like, it sort of keeps you focused in a way. As opposed, well, like, I guess. Yeah, I, 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 but I, as I said, that just, that just that overwhelms me, though. Mm. Like, if I open up the map and it's just like there's, as I say, there's like a hundred markers. I but just you go, can oh, choose what you want to do. I See, I find it easy because you can just I, choose. Just, I do understand what you, that, Dave, but my mm. point is that the way they've designed the games is to kind of force you to do them. Mm. 
you know, like them, you, you might just go, oh, I don't want to do all that size stuff. And then you get to an area and they go, oh, I'm sorry, you're not the right level for this. You need to go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do some side shit so that you can level up. And you're like, but I don't want to do that. Like, you, yeah, that's right. Well, that to, happened to I me in Origins. So, Origins was my first Assassin's Creed game in a while. I played a bit of Black Flag, but I didn't play any of three. And I certainly didn't play any of those kind of like what I thought were spin off games. So, I, at Origins, I came back to it and I was like, okay, I'm going to just follow the main story and kill, you know, the main people kind of thing. Like, and I avoided, like, a lot of side stuff. And suddenly I got to a part about two-thirds of the way through the game where I couldn't get past it until I had to grind. And that was that was tough because as it was exactly what you're saying. I had to suddenly do all this side shit just to grind the levels up to make the guy who was blocking me beatable, you know, which I did. But it was like, it felt like a grind. You know what I mean? Like... Because I just followed, I'd done exactly what I don't normally do. I'd just done the main story. And mm. and whereas in Valhalla, I found Valhalla, I loved the world. You know, that I, that I did so much side stuff that I, actually the game became so easy because I was too high level, you know. And mm. it became a cakewalk, frankly, you know. And when I got the Excalibur, and more so, it kind of made me super powered. And really, nothing was a challenge. Like, honestly, and I kind of missed in because I'd played Elden Ring where everything's challenging, and I kind of missed the challenge. When I did Siege of Paris, I just fucking mowed through that, you know, like it, nothing was a challenge. I just mowed, I was too high level, and I kind of missed it being a challenge. So, there is a happy medium. They certainly haven't got the balance exactly right. Like, I, I hear you saying what you're saying, but they'll never change the stuff with the missions, the Ubisoft, because every game is like that, like, you know, the. You know, sort of like they try oh, to make yeah, the mission. Yeah. They try to make the missions sort of exciting, um, but the problem is when you get so overpowered that nothing's a challenge. It's very hard to get excited. You know, when you're like, yep, I can just yep. dominate. This. I can just bulldoze. Forget stealth. I can just bulldoze this. You know, and you know. So anyway, we'll see what happens. But no, I hear your points, man. You make good points. Um, Elder Ring is a far more challenging game. Far more. Like they're almost like it's almost like a different genre. You know, like, well, the thing I like about Elden Ring is that there's it's you can either grind to the point that you are overpowered, mm. or you can beat it just on skill alone. Yeah, because there's people who just go straight for the bosses, don't have any of the gear, barely have any health bars, and they can beat the bosses because skillful. That game is built around either skill or leveling. Yeah, but they give you the choice, and you can maybe go test yourself and say, "Let's see if I got the skill." Yeah. No, Whereas other games, they're like, oh, no, you can't partake in this because you need to be level 40 and you're only level 35. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, fucking hell, you've locked me out of content just because. And Assassin's Creed, like the last one, literally does that. It, it literally says uh, 40 plus or something. Like they, it literally gives indicator bands on the missions and stuff, mm. um, which I, I agree. And you, generally, you can beat them a bit lower, like generally, I've always found, but they are a pretty. They're a pretty. Once you realise that they're probably overvaluing it by about five points, you realise you sort of where you can be. Um, mm. But anyway, we'll we'll see what happens. Now, Resident Evil, Rich on Netflix TV show um, was cancelled after one season. Oh. I, I don't. I don't think anyone liked it. I, I watched the movie. Um, Welcome to Raccoon City. Michelle and I were both like, oh, it's a six out of ten. It was it was enjoyable enough, but no one liked this fucking TV show, man. Yeah, because again, the TV show is absolute pure fan fiction. <laughs> yeah. 
didn't follow the I games. Mean, the movie, the movie suffers from, um, uh, uh, what's the what's it? Um, what oh it? man, when you when you try and please the fans, um, like fan service. Yeah. So the that the problem with that movie is one some uh, terrible casting. Yeah. Um, the acting is not great. But two, the movie is just full of fan service to the games, um, yeah. which is takes away from it being a movie. The problem with this one, this TV show, apparently, which I haven't watched because I don't have Netflix, is that it's it's other than the name, yeah, is really not even related to it. It's it's almost it has even less to do with Resident Evil than those um, the movies with uh, Milo Jokovic. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, you know, so yeah, so I don't, I'm not surprised no one really enjoyed it. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, no one, no one was pleased. No one was pleased. I've got some more. Although, yeah, go ahead. Someone, someone made a good point. Um, I, I read someone who read a review who said this feels like someone wrote a TV show, mm. and because it it was similar to Resident Evil, they decided to slap Resident Evil on it. To which wouldn't be the first time that's happened. Profile, yeah. And that's why they say it really doesn't feel like it's anything to do with Resident Evil. They've which kind of could re- be. they've kind of retrofitted it to, yeah, bear the branding of. of yeah, Resident well, they've Evil. probably gotten a script and said, "Oh, uh, we've got the script. We'll we'll call it Resident Evil. That's got a name recognition because it's got yeah. zombies in it. So you know, it's it's similar enough. We'll call it Resident Evil." <laughs> you know, one of the most popular things ever that that happened to was Die Hard with a Vengeance. That was not going to be a Die Hard movie, and then they they yes, retrofitted. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's probably the most. But usually that doesn't work, and, and you know where they're like, "Oh yeah, we can just fit this in," and you're like, "Well, fuck, you've lost a lot." Now, just before we go off, I know we've we've sort of left this hazard square, but I just found some more information. This is about um, the Mirage thing. So, uh, okay, so. Other blah 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 will this is Mirage will also return to basics, doing away with RPG style progression, dialogue choices, scaling down the environment a touch, and reinforcing the importance of stealth. Other potential elements that are currently up for debate, whatever that means, include the following one, the game will take place between 860 and 870 during the anarchy in Samara, two, Bassam will be a thief in his youth until he encounters the hidden ones. Three multiple cities to explore, separated by deserts and rivers like the Kingdom of Assassin's Creed 1. Four, gameplay will be slightly different for Valhalla, less raw with new animations. Five, Eagle Vision is back, but so is the Drone Bird. Um, And six, there will be visions, there will also be visions of Loki, depending on how Loki, depicting how Loki manifested into Basim's body and consumed him. So, um, some interesting stuff there. So, oh, look, I'm, you know, guess what? I'm down for it, man. Like, you know. I'm, you know, what? I'm, You're I'm, I'm fucking, I'm fucking hungry for this now that they're talking about it. Now suddenly I'm going to be back in the Middle East where I fucking belong, man. Cutting it up against Templars and stuff, you know. Because um, if you think about it, in Valhalla, the assassins in a, they played a very tangential role to most of that game. Like, like yeah, you killed people and completed the assassins' quest, but. They were really on the side, literally a side story for most of that game was the assassin stuff. It was not a major feature of Assassin's Creed Valhalla for much of it, you know? It was much more of a Viking simulator for most of the time, um, which I'm sure some people complained about, but, you know, it is what it is. Now, our favourite, Rich, Ezra Miller. Mm-hmm. He always provides a lot of content for this show. Uh, Ezra Miller, and I, just, I hate saying it, and their agent, Scott Metzger, 
has met with Warner Brothers Pictures Group CEO Michael DeLucia and Pamela Amdi to discuss the Flash situation. Uh, the discussion wasn't publicised, but a source says Miller cares about the Flash and immediately sought help after learning the movie might get shelved. Score and visual effects are expected to be done by the end of the year. Also, the film has been getting the highest scores during its test screening since the Dark Knight trilogy. Executives hope a box office hit for the film with these test screening scores. Um, so, I don't know, man. What do you think, dude? Um, interesting? Um, yeah, I guess that's one word to describe it. Well, I mean, look, it's it's definitely going to happen, man. Like, let's face it, there's there's no way in hell that this movie will get shelved. They've they've poured too much time and money into it, and uh, now and now Ezra Miller's got to fucking hit rehab, and um, you know, sort his fucking bullshit out, like which has just been left, which should have been done two years ago, frankly. You know, like I can't believe that the studio let him let him go so long, like causing havoc everywhere he went. Like he terrorized Hawaii, you know. Hawaii is a chilled place, and this fucking little demon came through, throwing chairs, kicking tables, you know, on drugs, I assume, Rich, would you say? Would you say there was drugs involved? Uh, more, more than likely. Yeah, me too. Uh, we'll keep our eyes on the, on the developing situation. Uh, I wish we could get a spy into his rehab, you know, and we could listen to what bullshit he's saying. Because I guarantee you, he's talking a lot of shit. That's eh, all bullshit. He's just saying what he needs to say to <laughs> get this movie out and, and probably not get sued or something. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Craven the Hunter news. Uh, while discussing the villainous role with the Hollywood Reporter, um, the actor playing the character, uh, his, I believe his name is Nivola, revealed the movie will feature a time jump. He quotes, The character had a really interesting complex psychology and personal history to draw upon. And the movie has a time jump in it, so the character changes a lot from the way he is in the beginning of the film. It was as much of an acting opportunity as any other film I've done. I didn't have to contend with wearing a spandex outfit or anything like that. Um, okay. Um, yeah. It, it, so plot de- details are basically... Um, oh, hold on. This guy is playing... This Alexandria Navola. He's playing an undisclosed villain. He's not playing. He's not playing Craven. So he's not talking about Craven when he's crapping on at this time job. He's talking about a villain. Well, that doesn't help. What what villain, Rich? Sandman? Maybe I'm going to throw that name out there. Who do you? Rhino? Craven. No, Craven he, is a villain. He doesn't have any villains. No, he's playing an undisclosed villain. He's not playing Craven. Yeah, I, I, I didn't say he was playing Craven. You asked me what villain, and I said for Craven, the yes. movie, yes. Craven yes. doesn't have any villains because Craven is a villain. Well, he's got villainous friends who form like a Sinister Six and all that kind of shit. You know, like Dr. Octopus. Oh, man, not really. He does. Like Sandman. It's not going to be Doc it's not, well, okay, it's, it's Okay, it's Scorpion. There you go. Okay. Scorpion. Animal base. There you go. Well done. There you go. Was that so hard, Rich? Was that so hard to give me an yeah, answer? Yeah, it was actually. It was. <laughs> I all these you. people, all, all these people spout his shit, man. Like seriously, and then you expect me to to put my hands in here and sift around this sh- this verbal shit and come up with an answer? Yes, that's your job. That is your job, my friend. I've said, now got to go wash my now got to go wash my hands. Oh, I said Sandman and Rhino. So there you go. I said no, it. It's, it's not going. I don't think it's going to be anyone. Probably that's been in a movie already. Okay. That's my prediction. Fair enough. I think Scorpion's a pretty decent answer. Richard, you should be pretty happy with Scorpion. I think it's a very good answer. Um, 
Anyway, uh, I believe the guy from Kick-Ass is actually playing Craven. now that I remember it. I think it's that guy who's pl- who's playing, I think. Yeah, Bob- yeah. He's, well, yeah, Kick-Ass and uh, Pietro and... Uh, Quicksilver. He's in the, first, yeah, he's yeah. in the movie as well. Yeah, yeah. What was he in? What, what, what was the other thing he was in? Uh, you know the Godzilla movie they made, the American one with Brian Cranston and... Oh, yeah. And, I remember uh, that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember. Olsen trick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. That was a while ago, wasn't it? I found that movie, and this is why it's, it's so funny to me, like with actors, right? Mm. That movie came out roughly the same time or, or shortly after, or maybe before, mm. the uh, Avengers Ultron. Mm-hmm. So... The same two actors, the Elizabeth, what's her name, Elizabeth Olsen, yeah, and him are playing husband and wife or boyfriend and girlfriend in the Godzilla movie, and in the next movie I see them, they're playing brother and sister, and I was just like, that's really weird. Well, there's always been a bit of incestuous like vibrations <laughs> between. There has been between Pietro and wow, the that's only in the Ultimate Universe, though. Yeah, I don't mind it. Like a little bit of a little bit of friction there, you know, a little bit of friction. Um, you don't mind it, eh? Okay, fair well, I mean, it's it's there. Um, you know, I didn't write it, but it's there. You know, it's ingrained. You know, it, he's a very protective. He's very, very protective, is all I'll say. For the record, <laughs> he is, man. Like, there's lots, of, there's lots of brothers that are overly protective of their sisters. True, man. Okay, okay, Rich. But um, what I'm saying is, whoever wrote that went there. So someone has gone there before. I'm surprised Marvel let them get away with it, but. They've implanted that He's idea. He's probably just trying to live out his own fantasies. Sick. Sick little <laughs> creep. Um, Ronald Acosta says, News on the Street is a fantastic forecast and maybe Doctor Doom is set to be revealed at D23. So that's Ronald Acosta popping with the news. And I said, you're making the signal news now, man. You're, you're, you've hit the big time. Are you ready for the big time, Rich? What's, what's the list of names he's got? He doesn't have any names. He's just got a rumour oh. that the casting is going to get released. The, the spies sometimes come back with some pretty fucking vague information, man. You know, because, like, I see it like a fortress. Like, this is my thing, Rich. I, I'm surprised that that doesn't leak properly. Because somewhere in Disney, someone knows who's going to be cast in this movie. You know what I mean? Like, how I hasn't it leaked? I, I don't believe leaks are real, Dave. Oh, they're often fabricated by the studio. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I agree. I think not often. I think pretty much always yeah yeah i agree putting it putting a bit of heat out there for their stuff and yeah politics yeah definitely agree. well they've shown me there's certain things that never get leaked right there's stuff that fucking never gets leaked mm-hmm. and i think to myself well what's the difference like sure how come how come you've got better security for these movies but not for this stuff so I'm I've because let's be honest, you you would sign uh, one of those NDAs and shit, and yeah. you're taking a massive gamble to leak something that could end up costing you millions of dollars in like a lawsuit or sure. uh, being sued or something like that. And I think most people wouldn't take that risk, which is why there's a lot of times when shit doesn't get leaked. Mm. And when it does get leaked, I don't believe that it is a leak. I, that's that's the studio maybe trying to put a little you know put a bit of heat out there yeah, yeah. See, see what sort of reaction they get or yeah. oh, know, i agree i mean definitely they've done it but what i'm saying is okay forget about intentional leaks which i think is very common what about like in you know what they call like industrial espionage so how come someone can't someone at disney knows this information 
So how come someone hasn't thieved it out of the vaults? Kind of thing is what I'm saying. Kind of Catwoman well, style. No, well, industrial espionage is different though because that stuff you do to to help your business or your company. Sure. You're not really doing it to just put the leak out there to whatever. Because again, you can still get sued if it. You know, I mean, yeah. Because that's not legal. Like, yeah, but, but what if it's if the package? You're like, well, the package turned up on my doorstep. Like, I got I got it forwarded an email with the whole cast list from from like a from like a fuck. A burner account, you know, someone's created a Gmail account and just sent you through all this information, and you're like, okay, it just came into the Signal Doom inbox, you know, I'm reporting on it. Uh, for movies, I doubt for if it's actually like something like, uh, well, you never know, it's got life threatening or, or, or you know, that's blowing the whistle on some <laughs> shady practices. Yes, movies, not so much. Oh, I'm saying, man, if whistleblowers like want to start leaking information to the Signal. Sure, we're in that business, Rich. Imagine, we could be sitting on a powder keg. We could get to the we could get to the bottom of, you know what I'm going to say, the aliens and who killed JFK. We could get there, Rich. If we, if I go in deep, twenty four seven, casting twenty four seven, me on the story of the aliens. Do you think I could get to the story? Do you think I could get to the truth, man? No, because you what? wouldn't believe the truth when it didn't fit your narrative. <laughs> I believe it, man. I believe in those no, birthing no, no, chambers, no. man. Yes, that's the problem. You believe in them so that if you did the research, if you if you said I'm going to research it, and it turned out to be not true, you turn around and say lies. They've covered it up. I know it's true. The so cover ups on, man. The cover ups on. The cover ups on. Hell yeah. That's, that's my that's my point. Like so many people, if they believe something, it doesn't matter what they find. They will say it's wrong. 1948. They crash landed in the states, man. The aliens, okay. dude. It gets put out there as fiction. It's fact. You know, when I go up to Michelle's mum's, Marie, she often has the alien programs waiting for me. I, I love it. I sit in the chair, watch them all. You know, personally, I do believe in aliens, and I believe that they have no interest in coming to Earth whatsoever and hanging out with the, the Neanderthals. Sure. Well, okay, that's one way of looking at it, man. They look at it from their spaceship and go, ooh, no, no intelligent life there. Keep go, keep moving. Well, it's a powder keg. It's a powder keg, Earth. You know, like, you know, we're poised for mutual destruction. Uh, any if time. you ask me, do I believe in aliens? Yes. Do I believe aliens have come here and are crash landing and all that sort of shit? No. So it separates you from me, Rich, because you're buying the government lie. That's what you're doing, man. You're mm -hmm. buying the lie, Yeah, dude. Dave. Yep, you're buying yep, the lie, yep. man. I'm buying the lie. You're buying. That's it. That, I should title the book "Buying yeah, the Lie." That's, that's what the government told me to say, Dave. Not the not the conclusion I've come to by myself. That's oh, the government feeding me. me that line. That's media input beaming in to your life since year dot, man. To uh, now. Incorrect, sir. In fact, that <laughs> thing that I heard about the aliens giving Earth a wide berth, uh, aliens giving good weather, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Okay, so what? So what if Neil deGrasse Tyson? Well, he's the he's the end Not all the authority. government is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. But we no, but I like I like that idea when someone asked him, "Are we alone?" He said, "Oh God, no, probably there's no way we could be alone." And then they were like, "Do you believe aliens have come here?" And he was just like, "No." I said, "He said they've probably taken one look at us and gone, there's no intelligent life here,' and moved on." <laughs> but that, but when you when you break that down, that's a very flip answer. You know, that's a very, just because we haven't. Which, we have a developed interplanetary it. travel. 
we're, we're trapped on this planet, man. Yeah, I agree with that right now. We're trapped on this planet with nukes aimed at each other. That's where we are. Okay, that's well, the Well, I believe that aliens, if, if aliens are space traveling, yeah. they're advanced enough to know, probably from past experience, when you see primitives, don't get involved. Sure. Because yeah, 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 they're yeah. primitives. Just how we have made it hard and whatever when we discover a primitive tribe. Sure. You know, when we consider us whatever and we've gone in there to teach them the righteous ways, it doesn't really turn out well for them. <laughs> no, well, I mean, by interfering, you fuck up their lives. Their lives. And that's so. my point. If they're smart enough to travel space and go, you know, jet-setting around, I think they're smart enough to go stay clear of that planet. It's full of yeah, primitive... I hear that. But, but if, a, if, a, if an alien crash landed here, that's a different story, man. You know? I don't know, dude. Okay. I, like, the jury's out, man. Like, but... Wowee, I think there's some secrets to be uncovered if we went really deep. Real, I'm talking like proper deep. You know what I mean? Like, let's get so, into, let's get into like when, the nitty gritty. When say that the moon landing was fake and the government said it wasn't, who's lying there? What? I believe the moon landings were real, for sure. But, it, but why? But that's the line that you've been fed by the government. Why you believe in Well, people saw with their own eyes they've seen the spacecrafts go up. At least they've seen that, you know, like the, the, the moon landings. Like, uh, like I don't, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not sitting here thinking the moon landings are fake anyway, but, but I mean, people were there. They've seen space shuttles and stuff go up. They've seen the rockets go up. They've seen people die, you know, uh, during, the, during those moon landings and stuff, like, you know, people when they crash land and all that. So people have seen that. Pe- you know, it's, they've witnessed it. And... And yet there's still people that believe it's fake. Yeah, but there's always going to be a percentage of those people. Like, no yeah. one will ever oh, 100%. But, but, but that's my point, though. You've, you've seen it. You've seen video footage. But sure. yet you've seen nothing about aliens, but you firmly believe you know what you have. Well, seen. there was plenty of people. If you, if, you, if you go and look at the Roswell no, stuff. No, 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 no. You, you made a good point, Dave. You said many people saw the rockets go up. They did. They saw that. No one has actually seen an alien. Well, plenty of claimed crash ship. Plenty have claimed it. And if you look at the Roswell encounter, people in the Air Force have given evidence that those craft were moving crazily, weird ways that normal craft couldn't move. So that's Air Force pilots have given that evidence, who who were there on that day. If you study the tapes, man. So I'm saying there. Yeah, look, of course people say they've seen aliens, and I certainly don't believe them fucking 99.99% of the time, but Air Force people who were there at the time of Roswell were saying that they were moving around like fucking crazy all over the map and stuff, and they had visual sightings of the craft from yeah, their, from their jets. People they've seen Bigfoot and Loch Ness and stuff. But I, yeah. I, don't, I don't necessarily... I mean, Bigfoot, my mind's open to it. I, I He's probably dead now, but... That you could have some kind of Neanderthal beast, like some missing link roaming around. It's not that unlikely. You know, when you think about we evolved from apes, blah, blah, blah. Something got stuck in the middle. As I said, Dave, what I find so fascinating is as we get further on in technology and we've got cameras everywhere, we seem to have less and less photos and stuff of these things that have been claimed for the last 60 years. Sure. But Loch Ness Monster, let's just assume it was a dinosaur. Let's, for the sake of argument, 
I mean, there were dinosaurs. They they have shown that they could they could potentially have lived in those locks. That's all I'm saying. Like it's it, that's not supernatural or anything. That's just a a creature throwback creature who survived the ice age. Like if it was real, Bigfoot is not supernatural. He would just be a missing link, like genetic throwback or an in between between humans and apes. Blah blah blah. Like it's not that crazy to imagine that that, that kind of creature did roam. Now, it might may well be dead now, you know, and it might be more of a legend, but that isn't so nuts that, that it wouldn't, it, you know, that doesn't shatter the world if that came out. Like, you could actually trace it and go, yeah, we've started it literally, it's like a in-between, between apes, you know, chimpanzees and humans kind of thing. Like, it's not, you know, like a neanderthal kind of existence. So Neanderthals who lived longer than the rest of the other Neanderthals. Like, it's, you know, like a tribe. Kind of thing that might have died out, you know, a couple of hundred years ago, but Native Americans and stuff have them in their legends and had some encounters, that kind of stuff. That's how I look at it, you know. What's that? That doesn't seem so outlandish. Would you agree? Yeah, it seems outlandish to me, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, but Rich, you like to play a very straight bat, my friend. You know, you like what? What I just what I what I just put out there right then wasn't that crazy. You know that that some Neanderthals may have existed into like you know sort of middle middle age times, late middle ages in America. You know, in some of the remote wildernesses and stuff, and probably had some encounters with Native Americans and all that kind of stuff, and entered folklore that way. I'm not saying they're still around because I agree with what you're saying. Like, why with with the way the world is now, like the world has shrunk with the amount of like drone technology, all the different ways we can get around now. Like, I agree, we're not seeing packs of Bigfoots. You know, wandering around the forests. Uh, could it be because they died out, potentially? Because they got they retreated further and further and further. They got hunted and killed by the Native Americans. I don't see it as that crazy a story. That way it enters their folklore. It enters the folklore, the culture, the myths. But it's not alive now. So now what you've got are these idiots who still... Not idiots, that's a harsh, harsh word. But, you know, they're, they're convinced there are still some of them out there where I think probably they're more a thing of yesteryear, you know? That's all I'm saying. Because you, you know, it's all—it's all just make-believe stuff to me. Really, but but you know that there were Neanderthals, don't you? You you're like oh Jesus Christ, so long ago that none would actually survive. But humans like survived them. the Ice Age, and, so why couldn't a Neanderthal? No, mate, they did not survive to the 1960s for some people to be snapping photos of them in the forest. I'm not talking about 1960s, dude. I'm saying I said late Middle Ages, man. Because uh, I am. I, I'm saying long enough. That it entered the folklore of the all Native right, Americans. Dave, Neanderthals, dragons, whatever, they all exist. No. Neanderthals are on record as existing. We have skeletons. We know they existed. I'm just saying there's a chance that they existed in some portions of the world much longer than the rest. Like, humans survived, didn't we? Humans survived. So why couldn't a, a Neanderthal you, I'm sorry, are you saying Bigfoot is Neanderthals? I'm saying it's related to it. Like, it's a link. Yeah, mm, that's okay. what I'm saying, basically. I, look, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying they're like a missing link. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying that there's some crazy monster that you couldn't trace. If you actually, like, let's just say hypothetically, someone shot and killed a Bigfoot tomorrow, you could trace the DNA and all that kind of stuff and the lineage of that. That's all I'm saying. They're like an evolutionary throwback or an in-between stage, just like there was Neanderthals and other fucking versions of, you know, humanoids before Homo sapiens and stuff, you know? That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and and I and I think 
they probably they probably grew bigger in the telling because I believe the Native Americans probably had contact with them, and it entered their folklore, and it probably grew bigger in the telling. And the people who are snapping pictures of them now, I think, are bullshit. Frankly, you know, I think that's just a hype train kind of thing. Um, I don't think they're out there now. I think they're I think they're forgotten. I think they're dead kind of thing. I think the race died out. So probably. If if I had to put money on it, that's what I think. That's where I think the legend came from. You know, I don't think it, I don't think it's that outlandish. I think it's. I'm not saying it's definitely what I'm saying is tr- truth, but I'm saying I I don't see any reason why a tribe of Neanderthals couldn't survive. You know, like why not, Rich? If they were smart enough to go around killing fucking saber tooth tigers and they were hunter gatherers. You know, they're not that much I, worse. I don't, I don't think they survive to just uh, become giant <laughs> men. Um, that's 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 a bit like mm, I don't know. I can't I can't make that leap with you. I'm afraid. <laughs> well, well. Anyway, gee, I hope they find one on the fucking road tomorrow. Like that, it would nothing would please. Like the second we have alien contact, you will never get over my "I told you so"s. You better pray that never happens, Rich, because I will be. I don't know. Mate, I don't have to pray. <laughs> Can you imagine how annoying I will be if we encounter aliens? I will love it that much. I will love it that much. Like, I'll, I will feel so vindicated. All these episodes, I've talked about the well, aliens. Well, you, you hang on to that dream, Dave. <laughs> Are you that confident that we won't have an encounter before you die? Really? Yes. Really? I, yes. I, I, I'm not. I, I think it could happen. Um, okay, so getting away... Not, and we, not until we develop actual space travel and are ready to get out there. Yeah, that's not going to happen in our lifetime. Exactly. So th- that's why I don't see it happening in, in, before I die. So I'm, I'm confident. <laughs> A little too confident for my liking, but anyway. Um, now, moving away, I don't know how we got into Bigfoot. Like, frankly, like... You, you... Well, we're just talking about we're just talking about bullshit stuff that doesn't exist, Dave. And you know, we got onto that. <laughs> uh, for all you gamers out there, Hogwarts Legacy is finally available to pre-order. There is actually a bit of hype on this game, Rich. Um, have you heard much about it? Uh, I've seen the odd trailer and all that. You're not much of a Harry Potter guy, are you? I'm not. I enjoyed the movies. They're all right. Yeah. Will you be buying this? Game? Never really read the books. What about the game, Rich? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'll wait for some reviews. I don't know if I'm if there's nothing else for me to play and it looks pretty good and everyone's raving about it. Maybe, but sure. I, I'd prefer to play, you know, other things. <laughs> if it's if it's on the shelf and you've got a you've got two choices, you've got to buy Assassin's Creed Mirage or Hogwarts Legacy. And then you... Hogwarts Legacy. Okay, there you go. Well, there's the answer for you. Um, <laughs> It's a frustrating answer, but anyway, we'll have to accept it. Uh, how about this? This 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 made this, this next news item made my eyes fucking roll. Ahsoka showrunner Dave Filoni recently praised the Star Wars series for being everything he hoped it would be. It's his series. He's praising his own series. He raved about the show during an episode of Dagobah Dispatch podcast. Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, it's everything I could hope for, he said. I never dreamed of running a live-action series, as I was learning over the years. But to have a character that's just come up over the years with a lot of fans as they've grown up, and now she's at this point where we can do this, it's wonderful to be the same person guiding it across different mediums. I think it lends a consistency to the character that's very uncommon. I mean, 
Jesus Christ, this guy's self-praising his own fucking show. And, and, we're, and you know, it's like, oh, newsflash, Dave Filoni loves his own show. <laughs> am, I, am I going crazy, Rich? Are you there? Sorry, mate, it cut out there for a second. Oh, okay. Uh, no, you're not, you're not crazy. Um, he, well, he loves Ahsoka. Okay, uh, Dave Filoni, mm. he he has an unhealthy obsession with Ahsoka. Well, I think it's because yeah. he helped he helped create it with uh, George Lucas. Um, oddly, it's a pretty shitty character. I'm not sure why. Is this the character played by, um, God, what's her name, the chick who is in DMZ and stuff? Is that her? Uh, Rosario Dawson? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, like, she was in um, Mandalorian, wasn't she? Didn't she turn up in Mandalorian Season 2? Yeah, she, she played Ahsoka in, in that, yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, I don't understand the hype. Like, what is it? She's a Jedi, isn't she? She's a Jedi who, like, yeah. Failed fight. Jedi, yeah. No. Right. Yeah. She got kicked out of the Order. She never actually became a Jedi. And she was in, like, Clone highest, Wars. highest rank was Padawan. And she was in Clone Wars, wasn't she? Isn't that where she starts? That is where she originated from, yes. And he just, well, he obviously just loves it because he's his own character and he's just cashing in. But I, I just found the way it was being reported that he's, he's like talking up his own show, praising it. It's like, seriously, dude, it's your own fucking show. Like, calm down. Let, let others be the ones to lift it up a little bit, you know? Like, I just, I just found it kind of I mean, annoying. Yeah, but I mean, to be fair, that's what it is. Yeah, but they're not normally so blatant as to be like just praising it, like, Ooh, you know, he's. I think they are. Yeah, you think? Okay. Are you oh, gonna? Boy. We're gonna have to watch it for the signal. You realize? We don't have to. Though. We have to, man. We have to stay relevant, dude. We have to stay relevant, Richard. I'll give you. Why t- can't we just be the? Why can't we be the flashback guys? No, <laughs> no. You can watch the first two episodes, and if you hate it, you can tune out. But um, but I've but you know, for example, things that can surprise you, like Michelle and I are watching She Hulk, and we actually quite like it. You know, I can. It is actually not that bad, man. I, I have you tried I it watched, though? No, I watched the first episode, and that is whoa. That was that was a struggle to get through. Mm. That was horrendous writing. I, I'm sorry. I <laughs> you uh, you are uh, you sometimes do baffle me, Dave. Like, sometimes <laughs> I, you do. Where I just go, I don't. I don't. I don't love it. I don't love it, man. But I'm just saying it's okay. No, but there's nothing to like about it. Like, I'm sorry. It's not one of the things where I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I can see why someone. No, I. If someone says they like the show, I cannot see why they like it. I just can't. I can't. The the character, she, the this version of her is so unlikable. Mm. Just nothing but bitching and moaning. Mm. And I lo- I actually laughed. The show made me laugh, but not at a joke. Right. I laughed when she was telling um, Bruce how she always keeps her anger in check. Like every time she gets catcalled. Oh, that was annoying. Yeah. And my, no, no. And my first thought was, if you wanted me to believe that this woman gets catcalled, <laughs> you needed to hire a better looking actress. True. Good, good, good comment, Rich. Good comment. Actually. I was just like, I'm sorry. I'm not not trying to be nasty, but I'm like, you yeah, are not getting catcalled, really. Like maybe She-Hulk. If your face was like She-Hulk, you know, yeah. because obviously they make the characters look more. Uh, the, the, oddly enough, they make the characters look better. Yeah, like Hulk Ruffalo. Like Hulk looks much more handsome than Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, <laughs> Do you true, know what I mean. True. Got the square jaw and everything, and obviously they've made She Hulk look uh, a lot better as well. Yeah, she's like She Hulk. Yes, 
She Hulk, I can see being catcalled, but not you. No, like I'm sorry. Some. Yeah, no, and, I hear what you're saying. And um, and all she does is the entire first episode is just belittle um Bruce. Yeah, yeah. Just constant, constant, constant putting him down. Well, she's snarky, man. Like that's her thing. She's but a that's snarky. my point. I can't watch shit like this. I cannot watch shit with characters that are so unlikable. Like well, you don't I have to. Like I did give you, I did give you a, I did give you a leaf pass on She Hulk because I know it's not your yeah. thing. I don't mind it though. But what I'm saying is sometimes things things can surprise you. Uh, now, but this Ahsoka series, I, I don't know, man. Like I enjoyed Obi One. I know you hated it. I quite liked it. I wasn't so hot on Boba Fett. Um, it's a mixed bag from Star Wars. It's a very mixed bag. Like you don't know what you're going to get. Um, now the Marvel's Fantastic Four reboot has found a new director in the form of One Division's Matt Sharkman. So they've finally got another director, Rich, after they're, they're hiring and firing directors on Fantastic Four, like you wouldn't believe. Pretty much all their projects these days. Yeah. Uh, now, what is this? Oh, so HBO Max, I don't know if we reported on this, they lost the Bat... Well, they let the Batman Cape Crusader show go, the show that I'm looking so forward to with Ed Brubaker show running it, but their loss could be Apple TV Plus, Netflix, or another service or cable network gain... There's a lot of interest in the Batman Cape Crusader show, which apparently they're deep into production and have finished episodes and everything. So I I, I found it baffling that, that the guy running Warner's uh, Discovery let this show go because to me, Batman, Cape Crusader, like if they, with the right animation and the right stories, I mean, that could be a killer for the network, you know? Um, I found that, did you find that weird that he cancelled, not cancelled, but he... He, he said, no, it's not going to be exclusive to HBO Max. We're going to shop it around. That was basically his decision. Yeah, probably wants other people to maybe get some, get, get some money off it. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, uh, breaking news, uh, Jensen Eccles returns as Dean Winchester in a first-look photo for the upcoming prequel series, The Winchesters, which is going to be telling the story of the father and mother team, um, predating, obviously, Dean and Sam, with uh, Dean uh, sort of telling the story at the start of every episode or something. Um, it's a cash grab, Rich. Uh, we have to agree mm. on that, but I am down for it as well. Um, you know, and they're still milking. I mean, Supernatural did run for, what, 14 seasons? It was a huge show. Um, some people would say probably ran a few too many. Um, but nevertheless, it was a ratings powerhouse till the end. Not didn't, a surprise. Didn't the original guy, like, didn't he write it to finish after, like... Five. I, believe. Oh, yeah, I was going to say five or six seasons yeah, or something like I that. He left after. Eric Kripke, the guy who now show runs um, The Boys, uh, he did leave after that, after five. Yeah, and he had an ending and stuff. It was with Lucifer and all that stuff. It was pretty cool. Um, and and then after that, they sort of, you know, let's go back to the, let's, let's start grinding them out a bit, you know? They had to find new big bads and all that kind of stuff, which became the whole concept of the show. Well, look, I don't know. I mean, look, what do you think about the prequel, Rich? You hate prequels. <laughs> and I do. I tell you what, you have something so in common with Michelle, I tease her. She always says whenever it's a prequel, oh, there's just no drama, though, because we know how it's going to wind up. I go, oh, my God, you should be dating Richard. <laughs> Why don't you and Richard watch a fucking... Though. Yeah, I've... Dude, she Not said wrong. it. She said it, and I was like flashing back to like two days before when you said it in like an episode for like the 10th time. I, I'm like, what's happened to just watching a fucking movie and not worrying that much? What's happened is watching something and going, okay, 
chill out. Nine times out of ten, prequels are not good. <laughs> uh, okay, I've got I've got an exception for you, Rich. I don't know if this is technically a prequel. There's always an exception to the rule. No, 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 no. Listen to what I'm going to say. In The Godfather Part 2, the storyline played by Robert De Niro of how he became the Don, is that a prequel? The flashbacks? No. Well, what is that? Well, you you know, there's no... That was made specifically for that movie to correlate the two journeys. Yeah, but you know that there's not going to be... He's not going to get killed because you know how he wound up in Godfather Part 1. You know? No, but the point of that was not to be like, oh, I wonder how it's to it's to show their it's to show their parallel lives. Sure, it's a it's a different thing. Like, okay, what about not, this? It's not a prequel. It's a, what it's about a sequel this? that uses flashbacks? What about this? Okay, obviously, Buffy and Angel were big things in the early two thousands. An Angel episode, and I believe there was some, which was like a flashback episode in the fifties. Does that is that okay? Like the episode yeah, takes place in the fifties. That's fine. But how is that any different to a prequel movie? It's a flashback episode. Because that flashback episode is written with the show currently being in production. Okay. With that in mind. Gotcha. Whereas if they yeah, decided, gotcha. oh, it's been 10 years, 15 years, let's make a prequel to Buffy. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be awful because you know they're not going to be able to keep track of all the fucking <laughs> yeah. that's happened. And yeah. they're going to wreck on something. They're going to contradict something. Good answer, Rich. I tried to trip you up there. Oh, you realise I was trying to get tricky in my old age, but you actually answered those questions successfully, and I give, I award you a point, Richard. You know, thank you. I think you've done very well. Now, I'll, I'll put it with all the others. <laughs> um, <laughs> before She-Hulk, attorney at law, Jessica Go pitched a gross point blank inspired Black Widow series where Black Widow would have looked very different. Um, she's an Emmy award-winning Rick and Morty writer. I love my Rick and Morty. Would you have preferred Black Widow be kind of a TV series fashion after Gross Point Blank, the John Cusack movie? No. Yes or no? That's not that's not a type of character. No. Well, a hit woman, basically. Has she ever been a hit? No, she was kind she of an assassin, wasn't she? I think she means the comedy of Gross Point Blank. Yeah, she does. Well, she's a Rick and Morty writer, so I assume so. Yeah. I love my Rick and Morty. Uh, I have to wonder. I wonder. I have to wonder how much writing she actually actually uh, contributed and what got used. Because if this is her writing on the, the She Hulk, I'm like, Hoo-hoo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I must admit that scene where she's like, I'm, you know, I have to hold my anger in all the time, and you know, it's like, well. Fucking Bruce has had a pretty rough lifestyle too. Just because he's a man doesn't, you know. You know, it's like, oh my god, all the men who've ever cat called me a mansplain, well, you know. Jesus. If 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 you are sticking to it, then uh, I believe Bruce was abused. I, yeah, you are correct. You are correct. I believe said abused, and, I, and she's like, oh my god, your problems. Oh, just because you were molested when you were younger, I've got to worry about <laughs> made up cat calling, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, now, what about this guy? The, the, this actor, I'm going to try to get his name. He's appearing in Aquaman, and he does a lot of stuff, and he said something like Aquaman, that's clown work. Aquaman is not the trial of the Chicago 7. You have to get over yourself. He was just talking about acting you're in... you taking advice. Well, he's, he's talking about acting in, like, the franchise movies, and it's it literally, he says, like, clown work. Um... I'm sort of like, man, I didn't see you saying no to the big fucking check that came along. 
you know? And and I'm not sure. No, that, I mean, I get, I get what he's saying. Um, I get what he's saying. Is that he's saying, it's not highbrow, bro. I'm just here to play a fucking cheesy part. And Yeah, but, like, that's a lot of actors' yeah. work. That's how people put food on the table. His name is Yabba no, Abdul-Mateen II. What I think he's saying is that don't, don't take yourself so seriously when you're doing these type of movies. It's not, it's not Shakespeare. But many a Shakespeare and an actor like a Patrick Stewart has done very well in this, in this uh, genre. He, he's not belittling that, but he's just saying... I think he's maybe belittling Maybe some of these people in these, these superhero movies take themselves a bit too seriously and think that they'd like, you know, mm. thespians because of that movie where Patrick Stewart is different. You respected Patrick Stewart from the other things that he did that was higher class acting before like X-Men and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't like the way this guy's talking, frankly. Like, if no. I was at DC, I'd get rid of him. We can replace him. You know, I, I think it's bullshit how, what he's talking about here. Like, let's face it, guys like Robert Downey Jr., man, who's an Oscar award-winning actor, fucking redefined the game when he played Tony Stark. You know what I mean? So, like, I don't mm-hmm. see this guy's fucking Oscar. Well, Ro- Robert Downey's got one on the fucking man piece. You know, and meanwhile, this guy, I've never heard of, Yabdul. Oh, Robert Downey didn't get that by any of the Marvel movies, though. He should have been nominated for Iron Man, though. He, that was a crime that he wasn't nominated for Iron Man. That was an absolute crime. That was politicking at its best. Hollywood po- politicking. I don't know. I believe I believe what he's saying is that Robert Downey was just having fun doing those movies. He wasn't really worried about... I See, I, I disagree. I think, I, I think playing some of those performances does require... Like, Jake Gyllenhaal was quoted as saying when he did, um, you know, which one was Far From Home, he was saying he was tripping up. He couldn't remember his lines. He was struggling with all the people. Um, the pressure of the moment got to him playing Mysterio, apparently. He, said, he, he apparently was talking... He was on Howard Stern, and he was saying he was genuinely overwhelmed by the sheer budget of the movie, the sheer amount of people on the set. It was... He was struggling, you know? So different actors... Look, I'm not saying it's the hardest acting in the world, but remember this, Rich... When they're acting, dude, they're often acting to people wearing fucking weird suits with weird shit on their heads and stuff. Like, it's a weird style of acting, man. You know? Yeah, and the guys who saying, have fun, don't take it so seriously. Yeah, but I don't, I don't like what this guy's saying. I don't like his attitude <laughs> at all. Okay. I, I'd fucking get rid of this guy. This guy's lucky I'm not his boss because I'd say, that, hit the road, pal. Whatever your name is, Yabda Abdul Mateen 2. Hit the road, pal. We'll get fucking three in. You know, we'll, we'll go to Yabda Abdul Mateen 3 and we'll get the same performance from him without the attitude, you know? Um, and you call it clown work. Well, this movie might bring in a billion dollars to the studio. It's serious business for us, you know? Do you hear what I'm saying, Rich? Do you like the way I'm laying down the law? Yeah, maybe he could have worded it a bit better, but as someone who sure. also struggles to remember phrases and stuff and all that, I can't really hold it against him. Maybe he didn't mean to say clown will... Work. I think he meant, he meant to. What are you talking about? You, you're saying he didn't mean it when he said it's like clown work. He did. He exactly I meant don't it. Think he, no, I don't think he meant as in you are a clown. I think maybe <laughs> what he's trying to say is clown work is that it's it's not, it's just fun. It's just no. you're there to have a good time, play a, a comic book character, and it's not like... You know, it's not the Oscars, you know. You're not going to be nominated for I, an See, Oscar. I, I no, think I that think... kind of attitude sucks. You know, you've got to turn up for your job. You've got to punch your lines. If it requires comedy, you've got to play comedic. But you listen to most comedic actors. Comedic acting can be some of the hardest acting to do, you know. Um, I think this guy 
thinks he's shit don't stink, man. He, he's he's talking about all these other movies. Can you think of a single movie this guy's been in? Yabdul Abdul Mateen 2. Have you ever heard of him before these comments? Because I tell you what, I haven't. Oh, but to be fair, I don't know of most actors today. Dave, and you so know, you know who he played? Much. He played Black Manta. And can I say this? He did not do a good job as Black Manta. He was one of the weakest people in Aquaman playing Black Manta. So he's got a lot of work to do if he thinks he's going to be a great actor. He's got a long way to go. He was one of the weakest people in that Aquaman movie playing playing um, Black Manta. He was forgettable. Um, not a fan. Not a fan of the attitude. Uh, if I was his boss, it would be a written warning. And if he gave me any back chat, it would be out the door and we'll replace you. We can always find another black man, pal. You know? Fucking number two. That's what I'd call him on set. I, that's what I'd call him on set. Number two. Come on down. Maybe you should. Maybe you should just shouldn't take it so seriously, Dave. No. I, I, no, <laughs> I, I, I don't like his attitude. Uh, Jeff Garland's character on the Goldbergs will be killed off after the actor's departure from the series following allegations of misconduct on set. Um, it was bullshit how they drummed him out of that show. Excessive hugging, apparently a couple of jokes that were a bit blue. Uh, he's ripping into them on his um, on his live show, apparently. He, he's just like, it's just absolute bullshit. It's PC world gone crazy, Rich. Been like that for a while. It has, and believe you me, the Goldbergs needs to die a death. It, it had its moment in the sun six years ago, and it's an absolute joke. And Jeff Garland is fantastic on Curb your enthusiasm, which I far prefer to see him on than the Goldbergs. And, yeah, it's just an absolute... Sometimes I just think this world has just gone so soft, man. You know, so fucking soft and so pathetic. The pussification of society, basically, Rich. You know what I'm saying? Do indeed. Yeah, man. I'm on fire. I'm sick. I've been preaching that for like seven, eight years now. How long have I been preaching it? One, one month. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer, Rich. Um, this might be my final... If this is my final show, I want to go out firing. You know what I mean? I'm feeling sick. Uh, Jeff... I assume that everyone's going to be the last show, so... Why? Don't hold back. Well, no, because you never know what tomorrow brings, is my point. I just assume that this could be the last show anytime. So. You signed in blood. Are you kidding me? It's not your last show. I'll, I'll exhume your body from the grave to keep you recording, man. Are you kidding I'll, I'll do a seance and bring I'm you back. Saying, there could be your dream of a zombie apocalypse could come true, and true. we lose true. power and internet. I'm just saying you don't know. That's true, what's Rich. Gonna happen. Good point, don't Rich. Hold it back. You know, and, and in that case, what I recommend listeners do: download the shows from Signal Doom to your home drive, so that if you get some solar power, you can still listen if the apocalypse comes down. That's oh, what I was going to say. Just pray like uh, technology still works. Well, if they've got solar power, solar powered laptops, if they've downloaded the shows, they could still listen. You know? Or well, what if there's an EMP and it, and it wipes out everything and we have no technology? Then, then they're just going to have the fond memories. Maybe <laughs> for cash payment, I can still come around to their house and perform a live show. <laughs> cash might be worthless <laughs> or bullets I don't know but we can work something out uh, Jeff Johns uh, Ryan Potter and Eric Dean Satan are teaming up to take on a classic new Titan story for the fourth season of HBO Max's Titan series uh, Rich are you watching Titans you're quite the Jeff Johns guy are you I've watched the first two seasons uh, no uh, what did I watch I watched up until Donna died or something? That's it. I haven't right. gone back and watched it. Will you watch the fourth season where they're doing um, 
Uh, best guess is that Thailand's will premiere at some point in either the fall or winter of... I'm just trying to see what um, what storyline they're doing. Okay, Titan Season 4 can finally tell Nightwing's best stories. Nightwing and company will head from Gotham, the city of Bloodhaven. Hmm, so we know that. I don't know what else there is to know, but it's going to be set in Bloodhaven, not Gotham. I, I, I've watched two seasons and kind of enjoyed it, like, frankly. I, I'm not saying it's great, but I've I've kind of enjoyed it as I'm watching, you know? It's it's okay, but I mean it's one of those shows where if I forget to watch it, I'm not going to feel. No, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I'm not going to feel like I'm missing out. It's you a brother I mean? blood, like... brother blood origin story. There you go. That's what it's going to be. Brother blood was already in it, wasn't he? Was he? I think so. I mean, maybe I, I, I'm I'm not sure actually, but I thought he was. Well, the first season was 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 Trigon. Oh, yeah. that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And what was the second because. Second Donna season died in the second season? I think so. Second season had like Superboy in it and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, who was the villain? Oh, Deathstroke was. Yeah, Deathstroke. You're right. Yeah, it was. Yeah. But anyway, so Brother Blood. I don't know anything about Brother Blood. I've got no idea. I was confusing with Trigon, actually. Um, yeah, but anyway. Um, uh, Beverly Hills Cop is a go at Netflix with Eddie Murphy back as Axel Foley. And Taylor Page and Joseph Gordon-Levitt joining him. So a new Beverly Hills Cop. I'm down for that. Bring it on. You down for this, Rich? Eddie Murphy? 40 years later? I'm not down for it, but hopefully it's good. <laughs> Did you like uh, Coming to America too? Because I quite enjoyed it. No. No? Didn't like it? Really? Okay. No, nowhere near as funny and as good as the first one. No, it wasn't as good as the first one. I agree with you there. Um, Ubisoft pauses. The... And you know what? And people go, oh, but you know, it's, it's, so what? It's sort of it's like, yeah, but I kind of feel like like Top Gun Maverick has just blown that argument out of the water. I sure. feel like if you're going to do a sequel fucking 40 years later, yeah, you know, 20, 30 years later, then you make sure you do it right. Mm. Um and Tom Cruise has proved that you can do a late sequel and do it right. Sure. And yeah. I just don't feel like Coming to America 2 was anywhere close to no, it. It was like half as good as the original. The original was a classic. It was like, it was funny. I mean, I thought it was funny, but it wasn't as good as the original. No, I agree. It's hard to recapture. What I, yeah, but what I felt this one was missing was heart. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I felt this was empty. It was shallow. It was almost like I felt like it was like a Saturday Night Live skit that just went on too. I was going to say, it sounds like you're describing me, Rich. Empty, shallow. That's a tiny bit You got tolerance for it there. <laughs> yeah, so no, no. Yeah. Is that, like the first movie's got heart. You yeah. Feel like, feel for him as the character. You feel for the story. Like, mm. uh, you know, you're like, I. And it's not uh, like the second the the sequel just got so much bloat in it, man. God, oh. man, the fucking cameos! It's like <laughs> Jesus Christ. Focus on the story. Don't worry about the cameos, man. The first movie was good because of the story and yeah. the, the heart. Like I don't know, like that that's missing in the sequel. What about if Arnie did Commando two? That'd be pretty cool. I'd be down for that. You know, uh, as long as Alyssa Milano's not in it, they'll be fine. I love Alyssa Milano. Are you kidding? I'd love to see her. Oh, she's, she's she's nutbags, man. She's I love her, man. I've always I've 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 had a lifelong crush on Alyssa Milano. Of course, she's going to be in it. I don't know what she's done. I don't know. I don't know in what way Alyssa Milano has ever hurt you, Rich. But she's been in hits, man. Like, what has she ever done wrong? 
you know, to offend you? What has she done? There's got to be something she's done. Is she? I get. Let me guess. She became, she became a COVID Nazi. What do you mean by that? Like a, like a. She was fucking going look at people on online and <laughs> posting stupid videos about you know stop being murderers and you're killing people. Just fucking wear your triple masks and shit. And I was just like, oh, go fuck yourself. You're <laughs> Oh, that's right. Well, fuck, I forgive her. I don't care. I don't care about that. I'm thinking, I'm talking about the work, man. Charmed, who's the boss, Commando. She's been great for years, man. Like, give her a break, dude. Just because she's a bit of a fruit loop. Yeah, but so what? She's in Hollywood, man. Like, you know, you take for granted she's going to be a little bit fruit, you know, fruit loopy and a little bit hard. I don't like fruit loops, okay? It's my least favorite cereal, okay? Okay. Well, I always used to. I always used to try to get them. My mum would always say no, and I was always like, Super. "Cocoa pops all the way." I must admit, I prefer cocoa pops. Yeah, but anyway, um, all right. So, Ubisoft, by the way, are pausing decommissioning of old games. Well, thank fuck. I fucking they they were doing something, Rich, where if you had the games, they were going to remove your access to download them, and I was just like, "Fuck you guys!" You know, like. People paid for these games and you're removing the downloadable, like from Ubisoft, this fucking billions of dollars worth of company. Um, they've now paused it due to the backlash. Sometimes I think they need a visit from fucking the Assassin's Creed to come and shake them up, man, you know, because they're acting like the big evil corporation now. I hate I hate it, man. I was very passionate about this. Acting. What's what that? Acting. What do you mean acting? They are a big evil corporation. True. Good point, Rich. Well, maybe they need a visit from one of their own assassins, man. You know, to do some crazy shit. Oh, he wouldn't get there because he'd have to do so many side missions. <laughs> if it was me, he'd get there in about four years. Um, exactly right. <laughs> by the way, um, Jeff Bezos' son is apparently a huge Tolkien fan and had some stern advice about Rings of Power, about how he can't fuck it up. And I was just like, yeah, oh, my, what a PR puff piece this is, you know? Like... Jeff Bezos' son is... Oh, just because Jeff Bezos' son is like, don't screw this up, this up, Dad. If I was Dad, I'd turn around and go, just be careful how you speak to me because you're living in my fucking house in the world that I fucking rule. So if you want to keep the golden ticket coming, you better keep the praise coming, you know? Or I'll cut you off, man. Seriously. His son, I guarantee you, is like, oh, great, great stuff, Dad. Great stuff. You know, like, just anything to keep the funds coming in. Like, we'll never know. Well, maybe we'll know. I, man, I wish I was like the son of like a billionaire. I, I would be the one who, I'd be like, I won't do any drugs, but I also will do no work. <laughs> I was like, I am. I'm pretty sure you'd end up doing drugs then. No, I'm, I'd be like all VR all the way. All VR all the way. I'd just be like, just let me live in my huge virtual reality that's like 20, 30 years ahead of current technology that the, the, the masses have. Let me have the A1 stuff, you know? And that's all I want. Yeah, I'll cost you some money, but I'm not going to cost you that much money. You know what I mean? Like, I like I won't spend so much that it'll be anything like a dent in your fortune. I, I just want to... But I want to live at large, man. You know what I mean? Like, in my own way. It'll be like Dave's life taken to the maximum. So I'll be like playing tennis with like, you know, famous people and stuff. You know, massages every day, working on the back. But I don't want to have to do any work. And then that all leads to drugs. <laughs> That sweet, sweet heroin, Rich. <laughs> yeah, because after after a year of it, you'll be like, oh, it's getting a bit boring now, and then some guy's going <laughs> to, other rich people are going to go, oh, you know, you can really pass the time, Dave. And you'll be like, no, how? <laughs> 
but, but I really want to just live in my virtual reality world, which I know he can afford because I know Jeff Bezos' son, this little prick, has got it just coming in the way he wants it, you know? Like, one thing I might do is I could see myself, like, pitching a few movies and stuff, that kind of stuff, like, doing that kind of that kind of work loosely, like, hiring some good writers, getting together some good movie scripts, kind of having, like, a little production company. But, you know... I wish I could be your father then and go, shut the fuck up, then go back to your VR world. <laughs> Leave the business to the real men. <laughs> I'd be like, whatever, just keep the checks coming. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not that interested. Um, Ryan Johnson, fuck this guy, still wants to make a brand new Star Wars trilogy. His quote is, it would break my heart if I were finished, if I couldn't get back in that sandbox at some point. What do you think, Rich? Surely you hate this guy more than anything. I hope your heart's fucking broken. <laughs> I'd like to fucking break more than his heart, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, he made a movie that is, like, so hated by, like, a massive amount of the fan base. And, like, you know, like, I get he's a good director in general. Like, he has made good movies. Like, but I just don't think he was the right fit for that. But, like, maybe given his own thing, he could probably do something good with it if he didn't have to have it tied into any of the existing lore, if he had to create his own thing from cloth kind of thing. Because, like, Brick, Knives Out, I don't know what other movies he's done, but they're two good movies. He did Looper, I think, also a good movie. Um, yeah. yeah, what I'm saying is they're not terrible movies. Like, But he just wasn't the right fit for whatever it was called, Last Jedi. Uh, maybe, but I just feel that there's too much of a stink associated with him on that franchise. Like, I, I don't think fans want it, you know? I, I don't, well, you know. put it this way. If you've got a beloved franchise, the person you don't hire is the guy that's like, oh, my God, I want to completely fucking change everything that people knew about yeah. the franchise and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, yeah, you're not the right person for the job. Sorry. Maybe we've got something else lined up for you, you know, because you're a good director, but... I think we've made a mistake in this. Thank you for your time. Yeah, we don't want the guy who's like, you've got to burn it all down, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know the guy who's like, oh, my God, I want to completely turn this. I want to make it, you know, I want to totally do a 180 on, on the uh, Luke Skywalker. And, you know, yeah. I, want to, I want to reset the world back to, you know, although that was more AJ. But um, I just, yeah, that, that the last Jedi that he did was just, oh, my God, that was like, I can't believe that was made by a so-called fan of Star Wars. I mean, yeah, he claims it's a fan, but I'm just like, I don't know how. Yeah, you it clearly was weird. don't love the characters because yeah, I you didn't treat them right. I totally agree. It wasn't it was watching that like just objectively, frankly, just watching that. I wasn't feeling like that was coming from a Star Wars fan's head. That was coming from a director. He he's a good director, but it just felt like he was bringing his totally outside vision and just applying it to Star Wars and really radically changing the whole mood and key parts of it. He's on record in an interview saying, I want people to either love or hate my movies. I don't want any middle ground. I don't want you to ever walk out and be like, eh, it was okay. You, I want people to either have a massive negative reaction Mm. or Massive positive. That doesn't That's surprise me. You get for a fucking Star Wars yeah. thing, and, and you that want doesn't everyone su- to love Star Wars. And that doesn't surprise me. Watching his movies, they are very much that kind of style. It's very much he's a very much a love him or hate him kind of director. Like I must admit, I've liked all his movies outside of Last Jedi, which I just don't think was a good fit. But you are right; he's not a crowd pleaser. A crowd pleaser is a Spielberg. 
kind of style director. You know, he's a crowd pleaser. Generally, most people, the masses have generally responded to him. But those directors aren't that common. Like, it's not that common to get those kind of directors. You know, unfortunately. Like, if there was, there'd be a lot more fucking hits. And let's face it, these days, movies are made by committee so much of the time. So many of these franchise pitches, man, uh, it's a formula, you know? And Ryan Johnson did Star Wars, was only a committee of one, and that was Kathleen Stupid Kennedy. Yeah. Well, I will say this. Ryan Johnson didn't do it by formula, and actually I think it suffered by the, because of that. But he, he did he did take an original approach. I, I mean, he did. I didn't like it at all, and I don't think the fan base liked it, but... He went his own way, but that doesn't always mean it's going to be brilliant, you know? Yeah, but this is okay. But this is the problem, though, is the new Star Wars movies, and partly it's his fault, mm. is they basically bipolar because mm. you've got AJ who comes in and makes a movie that is JJ. so formulaic. Yeah, JJ. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like, um, uh, JJ Abrams. Um, he, he makes a movie that's so formulaic mm. that it's basically a new hope all over again. Mm. And then you've got Ryan Johnson comes in for the second movie and he's just like, no, nah, I want to fucking completely do a 180 on Star Wars. I want it to be, uh, you know, I, I want to reevaluate everyone's character arcs and, and totally fuck with people and all that. And then mm. you've got AJ come back in the third movie going, no, now I've got to fix up. And it's like, if, if you were going to get Ryan Johnson to do then he should have done all three movies. Yeah. Right? So that he can build up to his bullshit and all that. But what makes it even worse is how bipolar the three movies are. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And then you had at the end JJ just doing an absolute patchwork job on the last one, which just was nonsensical. Well, JJ squeezed two movies into one. He did. He did. <laughs> and Paulie. I've got to undo everything. And can I say, and well, Paulie, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, as you see, you pointed out, he, he broke the mold, but the problem is, is, AJ had already made them all, so it's yeah. too late to break them all. True. So he should, as a director, he should have continued with what was established and built. But instead, he was like, "No, I'm going to. Com I want to go in a completely different direction." So it's like, "Well, then maybe save that for your own movie. Then if you get your own movies or something like that, your own characters or something like that." Yeah. Well, I think the mis the the mistake, in my opinion, that they made was not cancelling his movie the second they saw the script. And just going, this isn't for us, you know? Because mm. there is no way on the page you couldn't have picked it. On the page, that script was so against the whole flow of everything Star Wars to that point that I just would have said, no, we're going to pass on this. You know, like, I appreciate you had your own vision, but it's just not the right fit. You know, that, that, and that was the mistake. They greenlit that thing, and it was like they hadn't even read the script. Or they read the script and just, just didn't care. It almost seems like they're just like, oh fuck, fuck it. Like Star Wars, it's a brand name. It'll make a lot of money, and it did make a lot of money. But then they copped so much heat off it that has taken years for them to sort of battle back from. You know, well, in terms of the fans. Here's base. the thing: it doesn't matter how much money the Star Wars movies make. It really doesn't. The people who are like, Star Wars doesn't make money off the movies. It makes money off the toys off the licensing and no one was buying the yeah toys. but not anymore man i don't think the toys sell anything like they no, used to not in now but i'm saying they used to yeah the, the black label you stuff know. has done well for them the black label stuff has done here's, well for them. yeah yeah but here's the thing george made so much money mm. off the toys yeah he did he didn't actually make that much money off the movies yeah. he made so much money off the toys 
Yeah, he did. He did. He only built his whole studio around it, you know. So and they've and they've buggered it up so much that people don't even want to buy the toys. Yeah, the toys that sell are the black label stuff that's generally kind of original series and, and prequel stuff. It's not the sequel material. The sequel stuff does not oh, sell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, put it this way: like Mandalorian sells. If it's a Mandalorian toy and all yeah. stuff, it sells. Yeah. If it's the original characters and 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 prequel characters, it sells. Yeah. If it's anyone pretty much from the, the, the sequel trilogy, doesn't sell. Yeah, yeah. I think that you're right, totally right. I think that they'd be stupid to bring Ryan Johnson back because you know why? I think they've started to build back a little bit of credibility with all their stuff they put out. I'm not saying it's all been genius, but I do think that they've sort of crawled back into the good graces of some people. And that that would be a real mistake, I think, to greenlight a Ryan Johnson, another Ryan Johnson, let's go fucking crazy you know, with the concepts. Um, you, what, you know what he should do? He, honestly, if he wants to do a big-budget sci-fi thing, do his own thing. That that would be, I think, better than... Time. Nice if you did that. Oh, no, I, I genuinely, outside of Last Jedi, I have enjoyed, I'm not saying I love, but I have enjoyed his movies. And, uh, you know, but, like, it's, it's one thing to say you want to do it, but doing a big-budget sci-fi thing, that's a lot of work and a lot of time. And... He's got that Knives Out franchise that's, that I really enjoyed the first movie, and got, he's got another one of them, them coming out. So he's busy, you know. I, I, I don't see him tying up like half a decade of in, or more doing Star Wars movies. I, I just don't see it. With all the backlash he got on the first one, you know. How can I go forward when I don't know which way I'm facing?
Rich Weekly Comics. Okay, now, Harley Quinn, the animated series, The Real Sidekicks of New Gotham, Special One, one shot. Uh, now, Rich, you know how much I enjoy that Harley Quinn TV show on HBO Max. I, I genuinely find it extremely amusing. I really enjoy it. This comic may be the worst weekly comic I've ever read in weekly comics during Signal of Doom. I'm giving it a 1 out of 10. Um, it was appalling. Firstly, it was so fucking long. Um, I, I did not anticipate that, firstly. I was like, okay, it's going to be 20 to 25 pages, you know? 89 pages. It wasn't funny. Like, in the show is bang, 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 joke, 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 joke. Like, it's that kind of, It's a Rick and Morty show. It's that kind of... Everything's a joke, you know what I mean? Like, um... This, it wasn't funny. It was kind of luxury. Uh, it was kind of serious. It was kind of a romance comic about the, you know, sidekicks. But it was, it was dreary. It was, I was reading it and I was like, hey, where's Harley? And also, why is this not funny? I, I've, I've rarely been as disappointed in anything. It just felt sort of like, I was thinking about it afterwards. Okay, let's say you were going to do a Rick and Morty comic. Now, they've done plenty of Rick and Morty comics. They go for the comedy angle. It might not be as funny as the show, but it's very much in the same vein with a lot of the same kind of joking style so that when you're reading it, you're like going, yeah, this is in the tone of the show. It's it's similar. I've read Supernatural comics about the early seasons of Supernatural that when you're reading them, you're like, yeah, this is very much the tone of the show. It might not be as good as the show, but it's the tone. It's a mystery. It's some supernatural elements. There's banter between the boys, like, blah, blah, blah. Um, this was not like the show, really. It, the designs of the characters in general were, but nothing else. I, I felt this was just... I honestly felt this was a really poorly executed tie-in comic because I'm a Harley Quinn TV show fan, and this is my reaction. I'm like, this sucks. Um, did you get a chance to read any of it, Rich? Because I actually told you, don't bother. I was like, it's this is awful. Yes, no, well, yeah, you told me not to, so I didn't. I was yeah, like, well, okay, you didn't. I'm not going to fight you. No, you didn't miss out. And I wouldn't say that if I didn't feel so strongly. Like, if I was on the fence, I'd be interested, but I, you would hate it. You know what I mean? But you, I know you don't like the show, but this was so much worse than the show because it wasn't like the show, and it's a tie-in comic. And I think that's a real crime. I mean... Is not written by the same people of the show? No, I don't think so. No, no, it's not. It's written by an assortment of people I've never heard of, but no, I don't think it was written by the show writers at all. It was just written by these, it like, no names. Like, it was just like, kind of like, um, it almost felt like charity cases. You know, like, it was just, it was not funny. If anything, it was kind of luxury. It was really pounding its point uh, on sort of like, um, not sexual politics, but sort of just like on... There was a lot of comments about, like, don't be ableist. And there was a lot of just... Yeah. There's, there's no subtlety in writing these days, buddy. Yeah, it was not subtle, man. But it wasn't... You know you know what it wasn't? It wasn't funny. The show is merciless in its dark humour. That's what I love about the show. It's very similar to Rick and Morty in that everything is a joke, nothing is sacred. Uh, but this this... This comic just, it was just not a good adaptation of, of a property. It's like if you told me we're doing The Wire 
you know, the TV show as a comic, and then you pick up the comic, and it's like a, it's like a fucking funny, it's like a comedy. And you're like, why is this the Wire adaptation? That's how it felt. Like I was like, why am I reading this dreary kind of like self-serious romance stuff, which is not how the show is. The show is really, it's all banter all the time, and I'm not saying that I cover some hot topics. They do, but it's all done in a very satirical style. Uh, yeah, I. One out of ten. I was very disappointed. And I was disappointed in myself for thinking that they were going to do something. I was actually interested. I was like, oh, well, I wonder how they're going to translate the comedy of the show into a comic. Well, they sort of don't. They just fail. Um, then we had Superman War World Apocalypse 1, one shot. Wow. Uh, this was the capper to the Superman on War World as Gladiator storyline, Rich. And I feel like I missed out on the main event. I was struggling to understand what was going on. Uh were you any clearer? Yeah, this was this, this was a stupid book to call a number one. Yeah, I agree. Thank you. More like this, number thirty-five. This, this is, um, this is, I was going to say, or number six in a mini yeah. series. Yeah, yeah. It's no, this this I I can't believe this was a number one book. Anyone who picked this up as a number one would just be like, I've come at I've come in at the end of the story. It was so. Complicated. I could have bought a number one. Where's the end of the story? It was so fucking complicated. Like, honestly, this storyline, I was just... Like, I realised early on, I was like, oh, I see, this is like... Again, I kind of failed. Like, I was, I, I get it, this is like the end of a story. But, my God, what a complex story. Like, Jesus. Um, this should have been like part 12 in like an ongoing because it felt... It wrapped up the whole storyline. It finished it up at the end of it. Superman's back on Earth with Lois. Like, it's literally the end. That's what I said. It's... Yeah, that's why I said it's it's phenomenal to me that this is a number one. This is this is sold as a number one issue. It you know what it tells me? It this this these two comics show to me how broken DC comics are, and I don't just mean in quality of storytelling. I mean in execution, in getting things out in a format people can understand. Um, both of the comics oh. we did were just failures. No. DC Comics is in the same position as the movies right now. Mm. They have got too many different versions going on in mm. their books that you don't know what is going on, right? You, I mean, there's still aspects of that, what was it, future state or whatever. Sure. You know, there's still remnants of this 5G. You've got the storyline where the instrument comes back, but everyone keeps calling it, but in the, it, but it's actually in a different timeline as well, where he's an older Superman, but now he's back and he's not. An, they, their comic line is so all over the place. Like, just like the movies. Yeah. Where you don't, where things don't tie together. You don't even sure if it's the same fucking world. I'll give Marvel this. I fucking hate Marvel comics right now. Right. <laughs> but at least there's a clear distinction between what is the normal crap. Yeah. And what are uh, one shots or mini series that take place in a different, you know, like with Patch and yeah. Venom, yeah, 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 and all that? It's distinctly separate. Yeah, yeah, right. And then, uh, and then the, it's pretty cohesive and cohesively shit in the <laughs> in the shared universe. <laughs> but at least, but at least it's cohesive. Like I'll give them that. Like DC right now is so is so muddled. It's it's just yeah. too much. Oh yeah, it's terrible. Um, at least he came back at the end. I mean, of what seemed like a terrible fucking story, he he came back at the very end and he was in Lois's arms and they're like, "Is Superman's back? Well, Kellogg's back?" Just, 
this is just someone doing their version of the of of the famous Superman story. Like, yeah. it's just another. It's just another. Oh, let's just do that again. But I'll take the original over this. Oh God, yes. It was the original John Byrne, like back in the day. I think it was. I think. I think so. Was it Exile in Space? Exile in Space. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That, I'm not sure if that was John Byrne actually. Um. It might have been just after John Byrne, but regardless, Exile in Space is the one where he winds up it's on. Round about that. It's round about that time. Where he grows the beard and all that? Yeah, he grows the beard, and I think that was also the introduction to Supergirl. Right, okay. Yeah, well, having read that storyline... Alien Matrix version Supergirl, though. Having read that storyline was a lot better than this, you know? Like... And I don't think that story... I, I'd give that original story like a 7, seven to 7.5 out of 10. I'd give this like... This issue, as, as a number one, is like a three. If I have to take into context that we're coming in at part 30 of a fucking 30-parter, it's like a 5.5. But really, almost unreadable as a number one. Almost unreadable. Oh, not almost. Is. Yeah. You're right, man. You've, you've called it, Rich. You fucking called the kill shot tonight, man. You know? Like you've just you've lined it up oh. in the sides and you've just pulled the trigger. That's it. Nah, to be fair, it's like they walked and just stood still because yeah. it wasn't it was poor. Much. It was poor. <laughs> it was really poor. Well turn into something make me work for it, I'll say that. No. Terrible. Two terrible weekly comics. And frankly, I'm glad we're doing a Chuck Dixon uh the Hunter Ninja Bear story for next week. Because anything would be better than these two comics. Now, um trade of the week. G.I. Joe, America's Elite, Volume 1. Um, I want to preface this, uh, Joe Casey, on storytelling duties. Rich, this was your pick. Um, do you want to give listeners the pitch? And yo, Joe, to the Joe fans. Um, I'm not actually sure in the pitch because I don't know where this fits into, but it looks like um, this is where, like, basically the G.I. Joes have kind of been... Disbanded. Not disavowed, but they've kind of been, yeah, um, not not disbanded, but they've been sort of um, sidelined almost, uh, made covert, you know. No, but uh, down downsized. Yes, basically, yes. The government almost, and so it's very much like a skeleton crew. Like you've mm. basically just got roadblock, shipwreck, uh, stalker, Duke, um, uh, Duke Scarlet, Flint, Storm Shadow. Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes, and that's it. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's, that's it, it. I think that is it. I think, yeah. Although you you would have been, you, you, I'm sure you were very happy when uh, uh, Gung Ho made was, a bit of a, I was a cameo there I was in the backup story. My classified figures on its way, actually, of <laughs> Gung Ho. <Nice. laughs> yeah, I was super um, happy with yeah, Gung Ho. And so what happens is there's basically uh, someone has sort of commandeered the American satellites and is basically throwing them into massive city populations, causing massive... Yep. Chicago. Chicago was the first up. It got hammered. Yeah. And so they obviously, you know, they assume Cobra and all that sort of stuff. But at this point, Cobra's also kind of been not defeated, but certainly... Um, Delta blow, and they've kind of also gone to the wind, kind of thing. Where and they think Cobra Command has been killed. They th- apart from Hawk, who's obsessed with him, they think Cobra Command has been killed. Yeah, oh yeah, because Hawk is basically in a wheelchair. He's yeah, he's paralyzed. Um, yeah, he's he's all fucked up and shit. And uh, um, and it turns out it's an ex um, 
militant guy or something. First strike guy, yeah. Uh, Victor, yeah. Somebody, yeah, I'd never heard of the guy, but like, I'm not, I wonder if he was from a previous comic or something, but yeah, this Probably, guy, or, yeah. Or maybe even a cartoon or something. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but really, but you know what? I really like the art as well. Yeah, um, man. Not, not the best art, but the, but when, when I say to you, when I think G.I. Joe, this is the kind of art that I, I want, you know, I want more muscular, but over the top. Sure. Um, the characters of G.I. Joe, um, you know, n- nothing against like, you know, the, the, the stuff that we read, but it just, mm, it just didn't feel bombastic enough. Not, not yeah. like this. I, I liked the artwork and the Chuck Dixon stuff, but I like this artwork as well. It's kind of got a bit of a, almost a photorealism at times. Um, but as you say, they kind of, yeah, I'm looking at the artwork here now. Um, I don't think his backgrounds are the best, but his characterizations are excellent. You know his models and stuff. Like I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the got muscles on muscles. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good, man. I look. I really. I'm going to be honest. I really enjoyed this for what it was. I don't think it was the best GI Joe. I I prefer Chuck Dixon's, but I really liked this storyline, and it was fun seeing Storm Shadow, uh, working with the Joes. That was a bit of a change of yeah, pace. Yeah, Storm, Storm Shadow and Stalker seem to have a bit of a. A budding sort of friendship partnership sort of shipwreck didn't like it. Shipwreck just kept dropping oh, bombs. <laughs> and also, you know what? I love that. There's, I love that Duke. While he's not in it a lot, yeah. Um, like uh, the other people talk about him like he's a fucking badass. Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, black ops and special ops, and they're like, man, if he's fucking do that, you know, it's. I'm like, yeah, finally, yes. Yeah, show some, show some respect to fucking Duke, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Duke was doing his own missions. Uh, man, I was, I was spun oh, out. Flint the... was a broken man, eh? Oh, yeah. Lady J was obviously killed in the previous series, and he is. I've mm-hmm. never seen Flint like this. This is the first time I've ever seen Flint. So sort yeah, of, he's yeah. basically got a death wish. Like, he does, yeah. you know, yeah. he's not well. It's like that sort of like suicidal, but someone else has to kill you. Yes, exactly. Yeah, like, yeah. He doesn't care. He he will put his life if it means that he dies. He dies after he doesn't. It all, die, it, it's almost like Frank Castle, like in his death wish kind of that he's writing. You know, like just like doesn't really care about his own life. You know, um, yeah. Like he cares about the Joes, but you know, if he dies, you know. So fighting be. or saving their lives, well, that's he's willing to pay that price. <laughs> exactly. I thought it was cool how Baroness was captured and held right down in the mm. cells. Um, that was interesting. And um, obviously, kind of like... I also like that you... Because apparently they brought Joe Casey in um, to sort of re- reboot it a little bit and they kind of gave it that year later thing. So it was sort of like um, they wrapped up the previous comic. And the guy who did the backup story... Uh, with Zartan, he was the guy who was running the whole operation at Devil's Jew. So I, I know that from my research. So the guy who did, you know how they had a backup story with Zartan, the Master of Disguise? Yes. Yeah, so uh, Josh Blaylock, I believe he was the guy who was running Devil's Jew, the publishing the publishing house that did own the rights to G.I. Joe for, or license the rights from Hasbro for for about three or four years. So he was mm. he was sort of like their chief guy, and, and his work is not that well respected. But he brought in Joe Casey, probably wisely, bringing in kind of an experienced writer to sort of sh- steer the ship. But I quite liked the Zartan story as well. I thought it was actually quite interesting. I did. I, I yeah. Yeah, and the, did you like the artwork? It's would you would you describe it as almost like a painted style, Rich? Yeah, because see, this is why I like I like how when. You you get a different art that's that's very um, 
stylistic because yeah. it helps it make you feel like it's a flashback. Yeah, this, yes. This is a backup story of a past event, mm. right? Um, and I like, I, I really liked it because it, it's a good juxtaposition to the current storyline. Mm. And so it feels not real. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it almost feels like, again, it's someone remembering something and things don't look quite like, you know, not, no, no, lifelike's not, but like, it's not photorealistic, you know, yeah. Yeah. the proportions are a little bit exaggerated stuff, but it gives you the feeling of someone telling a story or uh, oh. it, it's some sort of, you know, it separates it from the main story. I mean, look, I, at page, I look, at, look at page 153, the picture of, um, of the guys on the on the bikes, it's fantastic. You know, all of them. Um, mm. What are they called? The dreadnoks, and they're yeah. and they're riding the bikes. It's just a brilliant piece. It's a brilliant piece of artwork. Like just as a piece of artwork, you take away that guy saying "Burn, baby, burn." I mean, that's a that's a really nice kind of painted piece of comic book artwork, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Um, really enjoyable, and I like Zartan, and I and I kind of I dug it, and then it wound up with Zartan in the truck, and he doesn't know who he is and stuff, and I was like. Man, this is some pretty deep characterization for a G.I. Joe Zartan story. I also liked when well, I mean, Snake Eyes on Storm Center. It makes sense for someone, for, for someone who spends his, his entire life being other people. Yeah. That you would have this sort of disassociate sort of kind of memory. I get or, that, man. I get that. Lost in the Hall of Mirrors. What's all the people are pretending to be? I, I get that Lost in the Hall of Mirrors, man. Like, who is Dave? You know, where am I? <laughs> no, I do. Where am I? Who am I? Who am I? I'm about to record now, but I'm like, who am I? I don't even know. You know? Okay. I, I cut back to John Lennon. I don't believe in Beatles. Just believe in me. And it's just like, wow, where's Dave in there? Hard to find him. I, 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 I've always liked Zartan, but when I was reading those scenes, I was like, man, I'm feeling Zartan right now. You know, the master of disguise. Pretty deep, isn't it? No, I mean, there's some... Yeah, I mean, probably a bit too deep. But... <laughs> <laughs> I was digging it. And you have the scene with um, Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes doing the training fight, and, and Snake Eyes gets him and puts the puts the sword to his throat, and he says, I yield, Silent Master. Very cool, man. I liked um, Destro in the, in the submarine, and he had those... Yeah, with his son, who's also wearing the same sort of helmet. Yeah, thing. Oh, yeah I, I know. That was funny, actually. Like, the Destro Jr. wearing the exact same... Stuff as the original Destro, and then he gets captured, and they catch him. Scarlet. Now, when did they capture Scarlet? Was she captured from the start? I was, or was there a scene where they captured? No. Um, so basically, after the event, um, they all went sort of solo mission. Right. Like they all because they didn't know who was responsible. They had to try and you know, and so they knew that they would cover more ground if everyone basically. Split. Did their own thing. So Snake, Snake Eyes went and she went and, and Duke ended up whatever. Yeah. And she must have traced where Destro was going to be or, or found out about him and then got got Right. Mad. So it was, it was in off-panel land she got caught, though. Yeah. Correct. Gotcha. That's right. like it was the reveal of, like, where is Scarlet? Haven't heard from Scarlet in a while. Then bang. Oh, she's Wow. Well, can I just say this? As a G.I. Joe fan... Um, I felt this was cool, man. This was this was just kind of like this was your pick, Rich, and I felt like I felt it was one of your best picks in years. Frankly, I, I think you really, I know, I, I I really do believe, Rich, you should use this as a guiding light because this brought you back from the abyss. Because I mean, in all fairness, Rich, you've picked some some shockers, in, you know, in the recent history, like 
But this... No, I think you are remembering things very... Well, I'm remembering some of the stuff you... But what I'm... Well, I'm, I'm paying you a compliment, man. This was really... No, solid. no, Dave. This you're was... giving me a backhand compliment. <laughs> you, you noticed it in your little backhander. But... Um, and know, by the way, yeah. you were the last person to talk about horrendous picks. <laughs> I don't remember any horrendous picks from me, Rich. Um you know, other than the weekly comments. Well, sadly, I still have nightmares about them, so. <laughs> no, 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 all joking aside, this was a really solid book. Like, it's not going to win any awards, but it's it's like a solid 7.5 G.I. Joe, like, really enjoyable, hit the key things, has a good backup story with Zartan, good characterization. It probably benefits from having such a stripped-down unit because it gave you time to sort of do the individual storylines and stuff, and and I mean I'm ready for volume two. I'm giving it seven point five out of ten, and I would recommend it to my fellow Joe fans. Yo Joe, what about you, Rich? Yeah, uh, I seven out of ten. Um, yep. it, it's again, it's it's enjoyable. Um, yep. That's it. it. It's definitely it's definitely probably better than some of the. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, look to be honest, Joe Joe's been around for a long time, and IDW have not had always the best. Oh, some of the ideas I mean the stuff's been terrible. Some of it. Yeah. Yeah. But the but this one is at least is is in line with the decent. You feel like it's G.I. Joe. Yeah. You feel like the characters are right. Yeah. They've they've been written well and their personalities fit and be and are what they're supposed to be. Yeah. Um yeah. Um I really, really enjoyed it. I'm probably be tempted to go seven point five. Do it man. Lock it in. Lock it in. Seven point five from us across the board. Rich, one of your best picks. Can I say that? Like, taking taking away any backhanded, this was you at your top of your game, as far as I'm concerned. And I think from, from this... Take and a, I mainly take just picked it because of the art. Well, <laughs> hey, but the art was good, man. The art was really good. Yeah. I really like the painted style, too, to kind of vary it up. You know what I mean? Like, I thought that that painted Zartan flashback was such a contrast to the other stuff that I, I found it very enjoyable. Oh, I yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. That's good stuff. Now, next week, we are doing Predator Big Game, which is a four-part mini from Dark Horse, a Predator storyline. That's my pick. And we also, in weekly comics, will do Hunter Ninja Bear, the Chuck Dixon comic, which will probably be our only weekly comic because I looked at the weekly comics and they looked absolutely terrible. Um, DC and Marvel. Oh, if you want to, we missed it this week, but maybe you want to throw Patch... Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, we'll do that as well. Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, yeah, because we've been enjoying it. has been one of the few decent ones. Oh, I agree. Well, Larry Harmer, man. He's managed to bring back Larry Harmer and a bit of consistency, you know, to the fucking line. And, um, oh, I finally feel like I'm reading Wolverine again. Exactly, man. He suddenly recognized the character. You're like, wow, where's Wolverine been the last 20 years? Um, yeah, no, fantastic. And, um, yeah, all I can say is, as well, I do want to mention... Um, great to be back, Rich, and great to hear you again. And um, I think I've done pretty well for a man on the edge of death. You know, I've still kept firing shots, Rich. Yeah, still in denial, Rich, about the aliens. We won't go down the road again, but all we can say is, on the jury right now, Rich is firmly, you're an agnostic, aren't you, when it comes to the aliens, whereas I'm a believer. You know, you're yet to be convinced, I feel. Uh, yes, I'm very much a, I believe it when I see it sure. person. Sure, sure. Fair enough, man. I feel like I've seen it, though. You know, that's I am, I, I'm, but, but I am open to it. It's just that I don't believe 
we've experienced it yet. Do you think I'm open to it? <laughs> you could be more open. I think you, you, you're a little bit closed-minded. <laughs> you know the thing with me, though, is like I get this feeling sometimes like I should be a journalist. Like I'm just like, man, if I could stay on the story 24-7, you know, like forget work, forget relationships, just me with a laptop like roving, could I get to the story? You know what I mean? Will I get to the chasm and I see the ship? And it's like, wow. You know? Imagine if I saw it and thought it was... People have been doing it a lot longer than you, haven't? Dude, imagine if I thought I saw it and then what I actually saw was like a Hollywood set, you know? And like, <laughs> and like I'm like, wow, I've actually seen the mother ship and it's just like a Hollywood set of a ship. <laughs> that would be kind of funny. Um, that would actually be pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, now, look, we are probably members of the collective. You've got guys on there like, you know, Demons, Brian Biggie. You've got Ray. Um, Ray and I... Ray, Ray does, obviously, Into the Night and Last Sons of Krypton with Connor. Ray and I are doing a Predator show um, on Sunday night with a, with one of the guys uh, in the States who runs a Predator podcast. So we're gonna, I will promote that on the signal when the episode drops. Um, I did Ultimate Spider-Cast with Ray, I think it was last week. We did the Clone Saga thing. I think it was last week, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was, because I'd just come back from the off-site. And, um, yeah, so we did that. So... You know, man, keeping the story out there. Um, lots of good stuff like Warlock Thanos podcasts on the collective. You've got I Am Your Target Demographic. Plenty of good stuff. Capes and Lunatics, Phil, Lilith and Charlie. Really good stuff. Um, yeah, man, I mean, we keep the party rolling. It's rock and roll all day, all night. Rich, any comments you'd like to make? Any corrections you'd like to do? Any any apologies to me you'd like to make? I think you've taken a few shots of the legend tonight, man. It uh, feels like it anyway. Definitely not apologising for those. <laughs> Did you like me when I was lost in the Hall of Mirrors? Like, who am I? Man, I love that kind of stuff, though. The thing with me is I dig that kind of stuff. You know, where I'm like, am I Am I even it's real? A bit, it's a bit weird. That's fine. It doesn't worry me. It doesn't it's, worry me. It's a bit, just a bit. Though. I'm hoping bit. so badly that the samurais turn up in Lord of the Rings. So I'm just praying for it. I'm praying to the gods of death. I'm like, please let a samurai turn up, just so I can win my bet. I mean, I don't even care what he does. All he needs to do, all he needs to do, Rich, is walk in and walk off, my friend. That's all he needs to do, and you've lost. You're you're on the edge, man. You must be sitting there sweating bullets. I'm really not. I'm really not. <laughs> Hate to break it to you, but I'm really not. I'm really feeling like I'm going to win. I really feel. Although, Stuart and I had a bet about Aladdin, which I lost, which I spent years talking up, and then I lost the bet in humiliating circumstances. And I was so annoyed. But the bet was that they would do a Robin Williams like cameo in Aladdin. And I know he was dead, but I said they had so much footage of Robin Williams like talking. They easily could have done a little segment with him as the genie in the Aladdin Will Smith movie. And I was so convinced it was going to happen. I was so disappointed when it didn't happen. I was just like, I was gutted, actually, frankly. But that's. I'm just more disappointed that you just didn't use the dialogue of Robin Williams from the original animated movie because the genie is CGI. So. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, I kind of feel like it's kind of bullshit that um, <laughs> nothing against Will Smith, but he's just he's not Robin Williams. Sure. Well, uh, this is no, this is Will Smith pre-slap. You know he can't get work <laughs> right now. 
he he fucking needs the genie to wish it back, his career back. <laughs> anyway, man. Well, on that note, on that cheery note, I want to say, yo, Joe, and good night. Good night. Great episode, Rich. Mm-hmm.